This podcast has bad words. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Welcome to episode 120. Today, we're going to talk about social media, as you probably know. Yeah, the social medias. Yeah, all of them. Should we talk about our weekend first? or? Well, yeah, sure. How was your weekend? My weekend was solid, man. Um, although I was supposed to go out to Montana, it didn't work out though because Ella and Bex were both sick at the same time and we're getting ready to film some stuff and I couldn't afford to, to get sick. And so, um, Good call. yeah, we spent the weekend apart, but, uh, we're back together and Bex is still sick and now I'm terrified. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, how about how about that sports ball game, man? man? The sports ball. Oh no, Jenkins didn't make the play. Oh my god, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, I can't believe it. We're, we're recording this uh, shortly after the the Super, the, the Super Bowl. Have you seen? Dude, I'm going to put this in the notes, man. Um, there is a video of this dude. It's, it was it's an old video, but it's this dude who's like he's just wearing a jacket and it has um, like a football emblem, basketball emblem on one side, baseball. Uh, basketball on the other side or softball or something and then it says sports on the jacket Mm -mm. Mm -mm. and it's this dude going on he's just mocking people who get so invested (laughs) with the team (laughs) and it's just hilarious because i used to be that guy oh um i mean i used to have like cincinnati Bengals season tickets man and like i mean like if they lost a game dude it used to ruin my week but it's funny because like watching this video (laughs) with this dude i'm like Oh, this it's really ridiculous for me to be that upset over who lost or won a football game. Well, I think I think Seinfeld is the one who said, You're not you're not rooting for a team, you're rooting for a jersey. Yeah. Right? I was the opposite. When I was growing up, I was a huge Utah Jazz fan, as most of you know who have been listening to this podcast for a while. But really I wasn't a Utah Jazz fan as no. much as I was a John Stockton exactly. and Carl Malone fan. Yeah. And had they been traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would have very quickly become a Minnesota <laughs> Timberwolves fan. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think that some people were that way with Jordan or or the cert- or certain players. Uh Blake Griffin just got traded from the LA Clippers to 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 the to Detroit Pistons and I'm sure there are some people who are like I really like Blake and now I'm a Detroit Pistons Absolutely fan same thing happened when Braun went to the Heat and back to Cleveland yeah 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 well and and there was a weird thing about that though because they the people in Cleveland felt like LeBron had completely Diss their city. Yeah, and I so can't believe you left us. And then they're like, "Thanks for coming back." Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. it, it, here's the weirdest thing, though. What about after the Super Bowl? I didn't watch any of the Super Bowl. I saw two commercials from it, which we could talk about. Um, but at, right after Super Bowl, people in Philadelphia were rioting because oh, they dude. won. Well, dude, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, actually, this is <laughs> someone the other day. I was like, I was telling them these stats, and they were like. Yeah, man, those stats are from 2014. And I was like, holy shit, like a lot of this stuff, I got to like really look at my stats. So I don't know if this is still the case or not. So uh-huh. that's why I'm prefacing it. But the Philadelphia Eagles, they had the uh, a courtroom in their stadium. So you could, fans who got rowdy, 
They were arrested, booked, tried, and thrown in jail before the game was over. Oh, no. Yes. Or like, maybe, oh, yes. That is how, that, like, Philadelphia and Oakland are, like, known for the two, being the two most, like, rowdy, I mean, in my opinion, I guess. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Utah Jazz had to be the exact opposite of that. <laughs> right, they're the most, like, whenever, well-behaved, well-behaved fans. Yeah, whenever we, we go, they, they, like, if a basketball goes in the crowd, they gently hand it back to the referee or whatever. I, yeah. Whenever we go to Utah... Uh, like the crowds there are the nicest people that we ever encounter there in Canada. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we tend to have nice crowds no matter where we go. I mean, it's, it tends to be good people. Except Philadelphia. They were rioting outside of our show. Why do you think they show. rioted, man? Like, I'm trying to like make sense of that. And like, I just, I, I, I well, cause, because I think mob mentality. Well, definitely I, mob mentality. But I guess like, what is it that causes a group of people to celebrate something i know mob mentality but how does the mob get that mentality like we're going to celebrate and by by showing our celebration uh, we're going to do it by ruining the city i think the same thing as consumerism it's the lowest common denominator and so crowds congregate around a purpose and if they don't mm. have a purpose they'll just make then a purpose up. is found mm. and that purpose can be rioting or violence Why weren't they like we're gonna go and help the homeless tonight it, it, it but so, so a lot of crowds congregate and do that right if we're gonna go, go and save animals on the street tonight <laughs> yeah you're right they do there's fifty-eight thousand uh, homeless people in los angeles county and there are crowds of people who will go down the skid row downtown and and help out and and, and yeah. because the crowd congregates around a common purpose now if you just get a crowd to, to go down there, a bunch of Philadelphia Eagles fans after mm-hmm. a game, and they don't have a purpose, well, then all of a sudden you've got trouble brewing because they're looking for a purpose. And when we when we're blindly searching for a purpose within a crowd instead of looking back at our own individual values, then all of a sudden it can devolve really quick because someone does something and you're like, okay, I guess I need to congregate around that person's actions and interests and values. And then I think everything just sort of it goes off it goes off the rails did yeah. you see the the super bowl commercial with the uh, the ram truck the uh, martin luther king commercial um <laughs> dude oh what? man i i'm just i don't know if i, I want to talk about this controversy cuz it's it is so stupid i did see it well let's talk about it I, because i was i was torn on it uh, torn about it at first because for I, I I hereby announce that I don't want anyone using my voice or likeness after I'm dead to sell products. Yeah, that's a problem. However, a hundred and what twelve million people, hundred and eleven million people are watching this game, and a lot of them have are, are young and have no idea or just a vague idea of who Martin Luther King is, or mm. maybe they knew the "I Have a Dream" speech, right? But that, that beyond that. They really didn't know much about him. And and actually, February 4th was the 50th anniversary of the speech they used in that commercial. So in a way, that they were commemorating the memory of, of Martin Luther King. I knew they were, yes. They were coming from a, uh, you know, ostensibly it is a good place. Like they weren't, they weren't looking at it and saying, oh man, let's, let's, uh, let's cause a big hubbub about us commercializing Dr. Martin Luther King. Right. So I'm going to play the Martin Luther King commercial, but then I have a second commercial to play. Someone edited the commercial. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we'll, we'll play that really quick. Let's have a listen. Okay. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. 
but recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul generated by love all right so then at the end of the commercial right there it says built to serve ram and oh that's the problem yeah and so so here's here's the thing i, I think that wait i still want to see the second video you were about to but but let's talk oh, about this okay. first so okay. so okay. we just watched that and we'll put a link to both of these videos in the show notes because i think part of it you have to see the visuals that that go along with it you can hear it here on on the podcast but here's the thing i feel like it was a really well done inspirational commercial and it tugs at the heartstrings very much man but at the end of the day they're still trying to sell you this product but okay okay if i may uh-huh um i'm not trying to defend dodge here by the way we're just having a conversation yeah absolutely yeah because i'm trying to figure and this. i don't care if you do defend them yeah i know I, may, they may be worth defending here yeah, I, don't know. I, I know you don't care um but yeah i'm just trying to figure this out with you so they are um, they, they are trying to meet what that commercial, what that said to me was, yeah. um, we are an American made company. Mm -hmm. Uh, we care about American lives and we go out of our way to serve the American people with our product. Mm -hmm. That is how, that is how I took, I took that. It is a little weird at the end where it's like built to serve. Yeah. Well, and they, because, they have a program called Built to Serve, which right. is a sort of so so it is a philanthropic thing. And, and it's and in in um dude, anything racial, like mm -hmm. the tension in this country is it's absurd, man. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So I don't think so, man. I, I really don't, man. I think that's social media, which we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. and I think it's it's the news, which, which by the way, oh no, it is the news. But that's but that's that's where I was getting. Who's the comedian? This he does he every time someone says the instead of the, when he says the news, he says the bad news. He's yeah. like, I was watching the bad news today. That's hilarious. And, because that's really what it is. It is what it is. I mean, there are there are a few exceptions. There's that that organ good. Remember, we met with the founder of Good a mm -hmm. few years ago, back in I think 2012. Yeah, Good Good Magazine. Those guys are great. Yeah, and, and it was like good news. Yeah, right. It, right. But that's the thing. It had they were trying to find an antidote, and, and that's not nearly as popular as the breaking bad news from right. CNN or MSNBC or Fox yeah, or whatever. Where I was going with the racial tension thing is that. Um, there certainly are racial tensions in 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 this country, and uh, I guess the news, the media, and not, and it's not just the media. I mean, there are, and it's not just racial tensions. It's anything that is that has tension right now. Mm -hmm. um, people go out of their way to. Um, oh man, I'm trying not to sound like a complete jerk right here, man. Um, what? All right, Josh, I'm going to say this, and then you help me unpack it. But like, I, I don't, I think people go out of their way to get triggered. Yes. Like they go out of their way to get offended and to make everything as right as possible. Let's just say some people. Some people. Yeah. Did I say everyone? No, you just said people. Okay. Yeah. Just I, some people. So, so, but, but that said, um, with this Martin Luther King Dodge at the end of the commercial built to serve, um, we obviously see what they did there, but there could be a different connotation with that commercial. 
if you really go out of your way to look at some it's just like with the minimalists mm-hmm. we don't have a very minimal amount of people who download this podcast we don't have a very minimal amount of people who buy we should books. limit it the yeah. first the first 100 people to download, download the podcast <laughs> i'm gonna charge a million dollars a podcast <laughs> <laughs> no but my point is is like um with anything in life there is no rule as I'm saying this, <laughs> this is true. Uh, there, there's no rule that's going to be 100% accurate all the time. Right. There, there is not. Um, uh, there's not going to be. There's never going to be an opportunity missed for irony in in, in anything, really. Yeah, I don't think. Does I, that make sense? It does absolutely, and there's there's certainly irony in this. And you brought up the 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 racial tension side. I wasn't even thinking about race here. I mean, Martin Luther King to me is a. Is a well in his time when he was provocative and mm-hmm. and there was certainly a lot of racial tension then. It doesn't mean there isn't some now. I don't think it's as bad as, as the sixties, of course not. No, no, I don't. I don't think it's as blown out of proportion as as people think it is. Uh, there was a, a I think it was a psychologist and I think it was the nineteen fifties who who took this Chinese couple all around the United States. They stayed in over two hundred hotels in different cities and um, and then. They ate at different restaurants in these small cities and small towns. And uh, afterward, after he did that, he called up each of the establishments and asked them, hey, would you let a Chinese couple stay at your establishment? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, I saw everyone this, except one said, no, of course we wouldn't. This is this, We don't let Chinese people stay. But they stayed there and no one had an actual problem. And, and I think social media, in a way, is doing the same thing now where the, it, people are... are Picking teams and in a very dangerous way, picking mm. teams. Uh, th- th- this term that has come out, uh, identity politics, and to me that is it's so dangerous to associate ourselves with a team just because we were born a particular way. If you're mm. born of European descent or African descent or Asian descent, or my team is German and your team is Scottish, or my team is Russian and and your team is Portuguese yeah. or, or or whatever, it's a weird way to do it. And I think that's the unhealthy side of tribalism and i think most tribalism is actually unhealthy whether it's nationalism yeah. or it is well when, when you are when you are 100 tribalism or or, or national or nationalist it's like if you live and die by that tribe mm-hmm. then uh you're you're going to you're going to hurt some other people along the way what's the thing we just talked about with with uh, the philadelphia eagles right mm-hmm. uh the the mob mentality that becomes a tribe Although I will argue that most sports teams following that, it's relatively innocuous, right? You you might be it might be silly to some people or whatever, and I don't I don't really follow sports much anymore. I, I watch basketball still, but uh, just occasionally. But I don't really follow along that much. But I'll tell you this, man: like it's it's healthy competition for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there there are really dangerous competitions where. If I win, you lose, and all of a sudden you're homeless, kind of thing, right? Mm. Um, but but most most friendly competitions like that, they can the, we can find some sort of meaning or purpose in them, right? Or at mm. least some joy fr- from those. And I, I think where we get caught up is we get caught up in in the uh, my tribe is better than your tribe, and then we identify with I I'm okay with tribalism if it if it congregates around ideas because you can choose to participate in those ideas instead of like, well, my tribe is for everyone who's six foot two or taller. That's the tribe I'm in. Yeah. I I'm all for tribes in general, as long as they are not interfering with other people's well being. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, but I think the problem with, with tribes is a lot of the time... A lot of the time, it, it does. It does affect the well-being. By default, yeah. And so, But there so, are tribes out there like... Because um, let's look at the other side of the corner. There are tribes out there who absolutely do not do that, right? Yeah, I mean, that, again, going back to, to the sports teams and I, or going back to... Uh, ideologies. You know, it, I don't know that minimalism is necessarily an ideology because there isn't a a uh, inherent set of rules or or, or beliefs necessarily. But uh, we could call it living a meaningful life with less. Maybe sure. that's the only in- inherent. Uh, uh, rule or prescription, but even that is relatively nebulous. And so I think we can form a tribe around ideas, but when we form a tribe uh, around bad ideas, then we tend to get bad results, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I think overall tribalism is is bad. Uh, back to this commercial. Yeah. So we saw this this Ram commercial. We just listened to it, and it's a it's an inspirational speech. You, you know, he's saying, you know, you can be the best version of yourself, basically. Yeah. Someone, and I, I can really appreciate this, took that same commercial and dubbed in Martin Luther King's speech about anti-consumerism. Oh, that's great. Because he was an anti-consumerist, oh, right? That's, that's genius. And man. so you take the same commercial. Ryan, come over here. We'll take a look oh. at this. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, the presence of this instinct explains why we are so often taken by advertisers. You know... Uh, those gentlemen of massive verbal persuasion. And they have a way of saying things to you that kind of gets you in the bind. In order to be a man of distinction, you must drink this whiskey. In order to make your neighbors envious, you must drive this type of car. In order to be lovely to love, you must wear this kind of uh, lipstick or this kind of perfume. And you know, before you know it, you're just buying that stuff. And I've got to drive this car because it's something about this car that makes my car a little better than my neighbor's car. And I am sad to say that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America. What's wrong with me, man? I'm not, I feel bad for Dodge right now. I, I don't know. I, what is I have, wrong with me? I, don't know, I just listened to that. And I had I literally got chills, man. It's a great speech. And, and uh, part of it is I've been working on this damn advertisements essay. I've never worked longer on. In fact, one of our books we wrote quicker than this essay I've been working on for three or four months now, <laughs> uh, since November. Uh, and it's it's called "Can We Have an Honest Conversation About Advertisements?" And at its bloated. Zenith. It was uh, eight or nine thousand, close to nine thousand words, uh, and it's it's trimmed down to about four thousand. I hope to make it a little bit less than that even now. But I've done a lot of research of just in, in, about uh, advertising and and trying to have an honest conversation about it because yeah, to me, I want to take this speech that we just heard mm-hmm. and make a minimalist commercial that in the end of it, instead of it says "built to serve Ram" or whatever, it just says advertisements suck yeah and because that's what see that yeah that would be great man and 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 so maybe we we do a kickstarter campaign see if we can raise a a few million dollars to do a super bowl commercial yeah i don't think they'd let us air something that says advertisements suck and that is oh my god could you um, that would be awesome it it would be great how much does it cost for how much would it cost for a super bowl commercial i don't know it's probably two three five million (laughs) dude i wonder if our audience would 
help us do that, man. That would be that would be incredible. Yeah, it, but it, they do have to get approved. Is the problem right? Right. Uh, the other thing that we could maybe do a billboard, something like that. But in the same token, though, dude, like, so we're talking about getting into the advertisement realm to be ironic with it and to be funny, but. Do we even, I mean, even to get in there, dude, I don't know, man. Well, here's the thing. I, it would be it would be very funny, but I would really have to give that a lot of consideration because buying a billboard, yeah, it is, you're still feeding the machine that you're fighting against. Yeah, I have a whole section of, you could call it a chapter in this essay about uh, the usefulness of advertisements, yeah. but also how the pros probably don't outweigh the cons. And for me, it, I mean, yes, it would be ironic or funny, but I, uh, the hope is to start a conversation around the fact that advertisements are pernicious. Yeah. But and that, but the more I think, I'm sorry to interrupt you, dude. No, I, I, and I, but I, I think that's what they did with the remaking this commercial oh, yeah. is to me that, that speech about the advertisements was just as, as powerful and it was more powerful because the juxtaposition against the commercial, yeah. if you buy this car, then you'll be happy kind of thing. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, uh, this the original commercial was not Martin Luther King's vision right. of of capitalism or right. consumerism. He had completely opposite thoughts mm, like about it, it. Yeah, like it is a yeah, like that commercial is um, yeah, talking about irony at its <laughs> at its precipice. Like, yeah, well, I mean, and, and so if you want to do a commercial like that, I would encourage you not to use Martin Luther King, who was right. against that. Get exactly. Jeremy Piven or get uh, uh, Nick Lachey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mentioning two people in Cincinnati Bell commercials, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you, you can you can see like people like that are totally fine with the advertisement and okay. The, I'm I'm not judging them for that. No, the problem is what what was expressed here these were not Martin Luther King's values. And I think that's where, where it gets sticky. Dude, we have, I believe we're, where are we at on the intro, Sean? Like 45 minutes. (laughs) We should probably get into these voicemail questions. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Our first question is from Xander in Orlando. I had a couple of questions for you guys regarding what you're finding out so far. Now that you're taking a break from social media, Uh, it's, a point of contention, I think, for quite a number of people, especially people that have business on the Internet and have social media accounts that their business feeds off of, uh, I think part of what you guys do is similar to some of the stuff that I'd like to get into. Uh, I do aspire to have my own podcast uh, and stuff like that. I'm wondering what you're finding so far, how you're how you're able to better utilize social media, because I know that's what you're planning on doing for this for this new year. And I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, So that's what I wanted to ask you. How's it going so far? What are you finding? And if you do have some suggestions on how people can use social media um, for the better, while in a sense, minimizing your use on it and making it more purpose purposeful. What would some of those tips be? So what Xander's referencing is during January 2018, Ryan and I, and of course Jessica, who helps curate our our social media feeds, um, we took a break from social media. We deleted all of our tweets. We So clean slate there. We deleted all of our photos from Instagram, which is really difficult. Tw- Twitter's easy. You, there's a program you can you can basically just delete all your past tweets. We saved all of them, so we have our minimal max. I love seeing all the confusion. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, what's happening? Well, and that, that's the other thing we did. So, if you, and we recorded this video with uh, our good friend Matt Diavella of the Ground Up Show podcast. He also directed our, our documentary, Minimalism. He, um, he, he did this little, what was it, maybe 30 second, 40 second clip of us giving this big announcement and all of a sudden the screen starts fading a little bit and we're looking into the camera and, it, and then it fades to this static <laughs> and the rest of the message is, is just static and the people look like oh my god where all your pictures go and ron I had so many people message us that day and they were like um i wanted to go back and look at your your past your, your past photos and i'm like just let go it's okay it's okay yeah they're, they're enough, all yeah they're all gone <laughs> you can't go back and look at them Hopefully you enjoyed them while they were there. Right. And and that was a, really a metaphor more than anything else. But Ryan, what I'd like to do mm-hmm. is read the essay that we published about that. And then you and I can have hopefully a meaningful conversation around this essay. And, and feel free to stop stop me, pause me if if need be. And we can stop and talk about these, these individual uh, lessons that we learned. So All this right. is from our website. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's called How the Minimalists Are Using Social Media in 2018. Have you ever quit social media for an extended period of time? How did it change your perspective? After using social media almost every day for the last seven years, we decided to walk away for a month to see what would happen. So on December 31st, 2017, before the ball dropped, we deleted all of our past tweets and Instagram photos. We ceased our Facebook and Pinterest activity, and we uploaded a cryptic video alluding to our disappearance. Then we were gone. And now, a month later, we're still alive, and we're entering February 2018 with a blank slate. During our month away, we learned some important lessons, and we unlearned a few bad habits. Most important, we discovered a need for us to use social media differently going forward. Lessons learned. Purpose. For us, once we'd created a blank slate, the purpose of social media became evident. Communication. Not to sound overly simplistic, but we want to use these platforms, whether that's Twitter or or Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram, we want to use these platforms to effectively communicate our thoughts, ideas, and creations, and to engage with our audience directly via questions and answers, not broadcast our every thought. And I think that's that that is the key here. I think quite often social media is used and, and has even been used by us at times to broadcast things that don't require uh, the uh, that don't require being broadcast at all they're right. not serving the greater good in a way right and so social media can be a noisy place and we don't want to add to the noise we want to whisper to the people who are listening and that was that was key for me and because i remember when I first started doing Twitter, especially professionally, whatever that means, we started The Minimalists. Like, I did want to sort of announce every thought because we had the small audience of several hundred people at that point, not even a thousand followers. But I wanted to, hey, here's what I'm thinking right now. And I think it's so important that you need to hear about it as well. But I think these days I'm, I'm less concerned about every thought being heard and mm. instead i want to communicate broader ideas and i think social media can help augment that in a way yeah definitely the next lesson here is mindfulness whenever an activity occupies much of our mind we need to take a step back and assess whether it's worth the time we spend on that activity our friend jessica lynn williams who helps us organize our social feeds discovered an important insight without the pall of social media in her everyday life 
Step, and here, here's a quote from her. She said this to me on the phone, actually. Stepping away from social in January gave me the clarity of mind to see, quote, the asshole in my mind running amok, close quote, as Dan Harris says. And it, and it has prompted me to adopt a regular meditation practice, which is something I've been afraid of for a while. This year will be the year I take back my mind. So that was from Jessica. And I found that fascinating that the stepping back allowed her to, to get some clarity of mind. And I, what I really hope is that she's able to, to continue that. And so I'm going to stay in touch with her and make sure that she is able to maintain that clarity of mind. I, uh, not only do I not want to clutter my own mind or your mind or Sean's mind, but Jessica as well. And, and of course, the people who follow us on so- social media, as I said in the previous paragraph, we don't want to add to the noise. We want to whisper to the people who are listening, right? Absolutely. The next lesson here is augmentation. We want to use social media to augment our creations, blog, podcast, books, films, not as the main platform on which we create. While we'll be active on the different platforms, it's worth noting that the best place to follow the minimalists isn't on social media. The best place to follow our creations is by subscribing to our blog or by subscribing to our podcast or both. Social media will simply append those platforms. So Xander here, he asked the question about that. And, and the thing I wrote down when I was listening to his question, Ryan, is social media seems to be getting in the way of his creations. He says, I'm aspiring to start a podcast. <laughs> well, no one ever started a podcast by aspiring, right? right? There might be aspiration all over your apartment, Xander, mm-hmm. but, but you haven't started the podcast. Starting a podcast, all you need is your laptop uh, and and you can start recording. You can use the microphone on your, your cheap little headphones or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can start a podcast that way. Ryan and I haven't always had this podcast studio that we're in now. In fact, we haven't even had it for a full month yet. And, and so you don't have to wait till all the conditions are right. And if social media is getting in the way, the thing that I like to think about, Ryan, here is is the 80-20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. I think quite often we spend 80% of our time working on social media and 20% of the time creating, and that is so bass awkward. It's horrible, man. And, And so really the... when we use social media, we should use it to augment what we are, uh, whatever we are creating, whether that's a podcast or a book or, um, my, my friend Eric in, in Dayton, I don't know if he, he, he works at press. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, he created, the, I just put it up on my Instagram this morning. He created this beautiful bear for Ella. Uh, if you just check it out, it's uh, at Joshua Fields Milburn. Um, it's handmade. It's one of one, made in Dayton, Ohio. And he, he built this bear over the weekend, used this Italian wool that's super soft. And, uh, and at the end of the post, I put, this is not an ad. I paid full price for this bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a creation, right? Mm-hmm. And you can tell if you go to his social media feeds, he uses that to uh, to to augment his creation, to, sh- to display his creations to the world. Because marketing is the, the final step of the the creating process. Sure, got to let people know about it. But when it takes over and all you're doing is just marketing, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, your creations suffer. So when I think about uh, old jobs I used to have, old corporations I used to work for, yeah. Um, it, the question that they asked, going back to that 20, 80%, you, know, uh, you could look at, the, look at it this way too. 
20% of the time they're asking, how can we have a better product? How can mm. we create a better customer experience? 80% of the time they're like, how can we shove into people's faces more? Yeah. How can we get this in front of more eyeballs? How can we get more advertising dollars? Like very little infrastructure budget is talked about. It's It was always marketing. It was never about creating a better product or creating a, a better uh, experience for the customer. It was always about like, fighting you know fighting for how much how, how much marketing dollars i can get from my department how do i get this mediocre product in front of us exactly how can i make this mediocre product look awesome yeah so we can make our month or make our quarter and or that whatever. again is is bass backwards yeah it's a it's a it's a <laughs> recipe for for disaster long term it may work in the short term you may make more money this month or this quarter you may squeeze more blood out of the turnip but Next year, two years from now, five years from now, are you going to feel great about about that decision? No, you're going to feel no. much better about creating whatever you wanted to create. And as Seth Godin always talks about, you got to create bad stuff first. Mm. So, so Xander, if you're aspiring to start a podcast, just start it. Create some bad ones, and you don't even have to publish them yet. But if you, what if you were to create one podcast episode every day for the next thirty days? You think you'll be better thirty days from now or today? Of course, you'll be better thirty days from now because you've put in some work, you've put in some practice. Ryan and I on episode one twenty are much better at podcasting than we were on episode number one. Um, I just, I don't know why, I just got this weird. I don't know. I'm just looking at the at, his, at Xander's question. It's a little weird that he's asking about social media and talking about starting a podcast. And I and the reason why I'm saying it's weird is because they have nothing to do with each other. Mm. Meaning that uh, uh, one of the lessons I've learned is that it doesn't matter. Social media does not matter. Yeah. Uh, cre- creating a good podcast that's what matters. Social media can help um, get the word out more. It can help. Uh, you know, communicate with people, answer questions, whatever. Uh, it, people can you know throw us their their thoughts on the podcast and their crappy reviews or the great reviews, whatever it is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, put a quarter in the jar for my, at the end of the day jar. <laughs> um, it does Xander. It doesn't matter. Social media does not matter. Here's my advice, Xander, quit social media and start a podcast. That's, yeah. that's, that's the best advice we could give you. Yeah, I think so. And so, so, and then when you, if you decide to go back to social media, let it augment whatever you've created, right? right. Let it magnify, let it amplify what you've created. Don't let it be the creation in and of itself. Uh, here's what I'll say. There are a few exceptions to that. There are some comedians I follow on Twitter where it is their primary communication platform it's their creation platform they're twitter comedians and they're really funny and that is the best format for them but for most things it is not the primary means on which we we should communicate in fact uh, one of the things i wrote down here that isn't in the essay one of the things i learned during this month off is uh twitter is still my favorite platform for me right and i think part Partly because I still use that to create a little bit. It's almost like taking a break from writing. I can write these little pithy tweets. In fact, if you go back and look at maybe my last year of tweets, you can track what essays I was working on because you'll see like these little, these little uh, minimal maxims or quotes or whatever you want to call them that make it to my Twitter feed. Sometimes they'll make it into an essay. Sometimes they won't. But it will often provoke me enough to create the thing that I want to create. I also learned that for me, again, this is just for me, Instagram is generally a waste of time. Uh, And I mean that literally, like when I want to waste time, that is the first place I go. It is a pacifier, Mm -hmm. right? And we're going to talk about pacifiers here in a moment in the essay. Um, I also learned that I don't use Facebook. I don't miss it at all. Um, The only reason I have a Facebook account is because one of us has to have one for 
to in order to manage the minimalists <laughs> page. Um, Dude, Ryan does not have a Facebook account. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I got a question for you, man. Go for it. I just had a question pop into my head. So you're talking about lessons you've learned. What is the what's the most useful thing you have found on social media since you've been back? Meaning, like since you've got back on Twitter or Facebook, uh, Instagram, you've already said is is pretty much a waste of time. So the the, the outlets that do add value, because I'm trying to think for myself. I can't think of one instance where I've got back on social media and I was like, Oh, thank God I'm back on here. Like I enjoy, like, uh, we went and had dinner at a restaurant where they, it was an amazing restaurant. I told the guy, Hey, I'll be happy to share about your restaurant. If it's an amazing meal, I mentioned it on the, on the podcast, uh, yeah, yeah, the couple, collections podcast. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Um, and I was really happy to get on social media and like give Saki rock a shout out because they did such an awesome job. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, again, like that, that's great, but, but I, my life would be just as fine if I did not mention that for a second. Right. But, but what you were doing was something helpful. And so Absolutely. what you're saying there is social media adds value to your life when it allows you to be more helpful. Well, I, I think it's, well, yeah, that is one of the ways for sure. Yeah, I, 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 guess I think it's the biggest way. Going uh, back to that question of what, what value has social media added to you? Sure. Because um, I'm asking myself this question since we got back on five days ago yeah so so this morning i just talked about that photo i posted of the bear that, yeah. that eric made back in in dayton on instagram yep and, okay and, and it allowed me to be helpful right yeah so so if i'm just browsing instagram it's a waste of time but can instead of adding to that noise it's going to waste other people's time how can i be helpful in some way yeah. what allowed me to talk about a handcrafted product it allowed me to talk about uh how it's not an advertisement it allowed mm-hmm. me to to shout out Eric, who does such a great job. And he does these other things. He makes these bears with like old Carhartt clothes and he repurposes things in a way and makes them beautiful. Mm. And it's exactly in line with our ethos. Like, and everything he makes is one of one. Mm. That, and when it sells out, when he sells the one, it's sold out. There isn't a, a, a duplicate. And so it's, it's very much in line with our values. And so I can tell you that a few th- since hopping back on, there have been a few things that have added value to my life. And it's not what I expected. So I'm glad you asked me that question. One is my favorite thing to do on so- all of social media is just tweet whatever Ella says. <laughs> yeah. So Bex I and I that. have a four-year-old, uh, at Ella Sandwich on Twitter, and instead of having a scrapbook at home or some sort of collection of whatever uh, about her childhood, we collect her her beautiful nonsense. Mm. And, and so she'll say something. Let me pull up her account. We'll we'll look at the most recent ones because they uh, yeah. So while you're pulling it up, like you've taken Ella's hilarious quotes. Uh huh. It basically it's um it's you know uh, what was that Cosby show? The shit kids say or dumb things kids what was it called yeah uh yeah yeah uh, uh i forget what it was called but yeah. i don't know what you're talking about but anyway yeah it was like you know d- dumb things kids say i don't i don't know i don't know why i can't remember that but what you've done is you've you've basically made it better in my opinion um but because it's it's uh it's these nice little tweetable one-liners, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not putting down that show. I can't even remember what the show is called. But, but yeah. Um, you, uh, my point is, is that you've been able to take Ella's funny sayings and create some very entertaining things. Can the world live without Ella's sayings? Of course, man. But 
it sure is a better place with it, I think. Yeah, and, and it, it does add <laughs> it adds value to to my life because uh, I'm constantly like it. Actually, in a weird way, makes me pay closer attention to what she's saying. Oh, that's great. So here, here are a few uh, recently. She said, "The whole world is not what I thought it was. Not everyone gives me what I ask." <laughs> that's good. Uh, she said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she looked at her mom. She goes, "How do you trick people?" <laughs> and then she's uh, asking the important questions. Just yesterday, she said, "Who's winning the slow eating contest?" I'm winning, <laughs> and it's so true. She could totally win a slow eating contest. That's great, man. And so I find value in that. I find value in in Twitter. I follow a, a curated list of of people and and uh, brands or businesses or whatever you want to call them and whenever i am feeling like it doesn't align with what i want to take in i will i will very liberally unfollow whomever yeah. right All yeah right. No, that's a good point man because i've i am i have learned and really still learning uh that i have to use social media differently just in in the sense of like right now the way what i get out of it when i go to my feed it, it's, it's passive. It's wasting time. Yes. I go to social media when I'm bored and um, I, I have to change that. It's, we have to embrace the boredness sometimes. And that's true. And, and before, before then, because being bored isn't a bad thing. Being bored is, is quite often. Yeah. I was, uh, I was walking through Runyon Canyon uh, yesterday and uh, uh, had my headphones and I'm like, let's take these out. And like, let me be in the moment like let me be bored in a way because quite often that's when some of the most profound thoughts and 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 ideas reach me is mm -hmm. in those moments of boredom and if we're constantly stimulating ourselves because really what you're saying is uh we're searching for stimuli right, right? When, when we're on the toilet scrolling through instagram <laughs> like i need something to stimulate me right now right yeah. now I, ne I need this and in fact the, the the next point in this essay is unfollow that's the the fourth lesson learned here out of the, the five lessons learned, whether it's celebrities on Instagram, friends on Facebook, or news outlets on Twitter, maybe we could say bad news outlets on Twitter, <laughs> the folks we follow often negatively affect our moods. We get caught up in comparing ourselves with others. We get dragged down by naysayers, and we start twitching for 24-hour, quote, breaking news. Whenever this is the case... It's best to unfollow those negative influences and instead curate a feed that includes people and brands who inform us, challenge us, and improve us. Letting go of the negative is the only way to make room for the valuable. And, and I think that last line is important. We have to let go of, of the, the bad news, the breaking news, the urge to, to stimulate in order to make room for that which is truly valuable to mm -hmm. us. And that's the fifth and final lesson. And then we'll get to the bad habits, the unlearned bad habits. Uh, the, the final lesson here is value. As the minimalist will post to social media only when it adds value to others. Before we publish to any platform, we must be able to affirmatively answer one question. Does this add value? If not, then delete. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I'll ask before I post something. You know, it's like, is this actually going to add value to our audience? Is it going to serve the greater good in some way? And if not, be willing to delete it or at least save it as a draft and say, uh, did I say a giraffe? <laughs> save it as a giraffe. Yeah, they've got long necks. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, come back to it later and, and, and say, okay, will this add value? You don't have to post right now. In fact, that can be another lesson learned here is before you post, why not save it for a day? 
Can't um, it wait 24 hours? There are some things that can't. There are uh, some things where you're trying to embark on a conversation and maybe it makes more sense to post something now. But for the most part, it can usually wait a day. <laughs> and a day later, if you're like, what was I thinking? Then just delete it. It's okay. Yeah, It's some- funny. The, the <laughs> um, thinking, of, thinking about the not acting on the impulse and tweeting stuff, getting to the next part where we're getting to the idiots. <laughs> um, it makes me think about uh, when someone, they will... Yeah, you know, whatever they're tweeting at me. Um, Ryan, your face sucks. And then, like, I'll go to their Twitter feed. Uh, and I'll retweet that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Josh, after Josh retweets it, um, I go to their Twitter feed. And a lot of the times, dude, they're just, like, visceral comment after visceral comment towards random people. Yeah. and I, You know I mean, what I'm saying? It's, it's just insecurity, like, man. Yeah, it, it's like their whole string of of tweets are just visceral comments to different people that they want to be mean to for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and we, it's easy, you know, to tear other people's buildings down to try to make us look taller, so to speak. But man, how unproductive is that? Yeah. It's the epitome of being unproductive. So for all of those folks out there, I have been that person before. I have definitely trolled. I'm certain that 24, 25 years old, I did some stupid stuff in chat rooms. Yeah, on MySpace. And on MySpace, yes. Um, but I guess the reason why I'm bringing that up is uh, instead of just going out and trolling, just sit on it for 24 hours and really consider if that's actually going to make a difference or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I signed up for Twitter, Facebook, and MySpace all on the same day. I know, man. I was late to the game. I can't believe I'm still in your top five. <laughs> You're top eight, man. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's you and Tom. And that hurt my feelings. Griffin House. I'm not I in think. the top five. I'm in the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we've got some unlearned bad habits here. The first unlearned bad habit is called idiots. If the purpose of social media is to communicate with other humans, then we also must be careful with whom we engage. People find it easy to be keyboard crusaders. That's what the person you were just talking about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, interacting with interactions with whom are rarely productive. So it's important not to engage with the snarky critics because this isn't for them. And I have a whole link in that essay to another essay talking about this probably isn't for you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, hence, if you're a seagull, I have another essay there called Seagulls. What, what do seagulls do? They, they swoop in, they shit all over you, and they fly away, yeah. right? That's what we call the internet trolls, really. They're seagulls. Hence, if you're a seagull, you'll be blocked without discrimination, and you won't be unblocked ever. We have a renewed desire to communicate with our audience and a new vigor to avoid arguing with idiots. I would, oh, I, man, I used to argue with idiots on online, oh, yeah. and it's yeah. so unproductive. We all get caught up in I that. I could be creating, and you're keeping me from creating. Here's another rule that I don't have in the essay here, but I don't respond to people. Uh, I, I mean, I use social media to, res- to respond to people, especially Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't respond to you if you ask a question that's easily searchable, mm-hmm. right? Hey, have you guys ever written about you when you quit your jobs? Mm. No, I'm not going to respond to that. Yeah, you could just search minimalist, quit the jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, I was talking to my aunt about the idiots on the internet and she had, um, she had brought up this story about, um, this, some, someone influential who had big following. They were doing a live stream. This one particular person was going out of their way, trolling the heck out of this person. She took the time. To be like, what is what is your problem, dude? Like, what is actually going on? And and then actually turns out there's this amazing like heartfelt story where this guy was 
on the verge of suicide and um like she re- she turned him around basically like mm. really went out of her way to like help him get the help he deserved so my aunt she's telling me this story and she was like you know um i understand that you know uh, you get trolls every once in a while but maybe you could you know take take that approach more and i'm like <clears throat> i'm like michelle i love you <laughs> and this is a great idea and I, and i do this to a certain extent meaning if someone asks a legitimate question or they have like a legitimate hey i'm i'm, I'm having trouble finding finding you know finding the uh finding a way to understand how you know you guys are doing x but you know um but but i'm thinking why you know mm-hmm. insert argument there to me that is a very that's something that i am going to look at and say um how can i how can i help you better understand how can i communicate yeah and thanks for reaching out but when someone just is is visceral to me if i did if i took the time with every single person i would not have time to do what we are already doing no. to like you said to create to help uh, uh more than just you know filtering out for that through that one person so it's it's not that um, you know, Josh and I, it's not that we don't have sympathy <laughs> and understand that some of these people, uh, we do know where they're coming from. Um, but, but really what it comes down to is, yeah, dude, like there's no way we're going to let someone not just take the wind out of our sail, but, but you hit the nail on the head, dude, like just preventing us from creating every single minute, every single five minutes or an hour that we, uh, ruminate. Uh, or try to rebuttal a, a troll. That is that is less time that we have to create something that could potentially help many many more people. I mean, how many times do people come up to us at you know in the hugland and they're like, "Man, you guys don't even know this, but like you saved my life." Mm. Like yeah. that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, yeah, and and we can't. I I can't make someone like me, and I'm not going to try. No. Right. Um, and but you just got to be you. For man. the longest time, I was so caught up in that, like, mm-hmm. but no, I'm right, and I'm going to prove you wrong. I want you to see it from my perspective. Rob Bell said something this week in his podcast. He said you can be right in the wrong way. Yeah. And and that that's what I was learning. Is like, yeah, I'm right, but I'm approaching this the wrong way. The right way for me to approach this thing is just to move on and help the people who I can help. And and ignore the idiots and yeah so we block very liberally if you are a troll you get blocked with the quickness and uh no we won't unblock you either uh it's what chris delia one of our favorite comedians uh he's he he just tells people welcome to my block party welcome to my block party (laughs) and he just blocks them um i saw there was a tweet he put out recently to put a screenshot of uh no yeah he put a screenshot of someone who said why did you block me on instagram and chris Spani goes probably because you were being an asshole and now i'm gonna block you on twitter too <laughs> that's great and i kind of feel the same way uh block the the seagulls so you can move on and that goes for any of you if, if you if you're out there and and it doesn't i i do follow people who challenge me and challenge my ideas that's different from these from these seagulls the next unlearned bad habit is pacifiers. Mm. By removing the social media apps from our phones, which often pacified us whenever we had a silent moment in an airport, waiting room, or other interstitial zone, like a bathroom sitting on the toilet scrolling, scrolling through uh, Instagram there. Um, <laughs> once we remove the apps from our phones, we learn that new pacifiers always appear. If you get rid of Facebook, you twitch for Twitter. If Instagram is gone, YouTube steps in. 
2,000 years ago, the Stoics complained about people getting lost in books instead of going out and experiencing the real world. Today, we complain that nobody reads books anymore because everyone is lost in the tempting glow of their screens. Whether it's books or social media we get lost in, we must work hard to use these tools deliberately to help us function in the real world, not remove ourselves from it. And, and for me, this is, this is where I sort of depart a little bit from people you might call a Luddite. I certainly wouldn't call him that, but uh, Cal Newport. Mm. So, so Cal Newport runs a, a great blog called uh, Study Hacks. He, he's a very talented author. He wrote Deep Work, and um, he is working on a book now called Digital Minimalism. And uh, he and I have been just talking about the different approaches. Now, he has a TED Talk out there called Quit Social Media. And we'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. It's out there and he encourages people to quit social media. And if you, he's never had a social media platform ever. And if you disagree with him, he encourages you to message him on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I'm just, I'm just going to let it hang there. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you have to use a hashtag because he doesn't have a handle. But, uh, if, uh, he, he, believes in deep work and it requires not being on social media. And he thinks the, the cons outweigh the pros of social media. I, I disagree because I want to live in a world that we can use social media deliberately. Now, is that possible? I think so. I'm not entirely certain though. And that's why we're back on. And by the way, all of this is subject to change. If, if next month or next week or next year, we say, Hey, we're no longer finding value in X platform. Then we, we walk away from X platform. That's okay. Or, Hey man, you know what? That Twitch platform looks really, really cool. We're going to start doing Twitch streaming. Right. Because right. it makes sense for us. Or Tumblr or whatever, you know, whatever Google yeah. plus. And, and, and so, Yes, we will pacify ourselves, and it's always been a problem, though. The Stoics said the books. Yeah, books are are the problem because everyone's just stuck on that that page, and they're not in the real world. And now we're not out in the real world, or we're not reading books because we're stuck in the the glowing glowing screens that are in our hands. So what I'm hearing you say is that no matter at what point in time of human history, there is technology that gets introduced (laughs) that becomes a pacifier yeah and that takes uh human interaction away do you know who tristan harris is <clears throat> he used to he used to be an ethicist for google and he walked away and he started um this this nonprofit called time well spent but then he also started this this second nonprofit called the center for humane technology mm. and he sort of writes about how what you're just saying is absolutely true where there was this new technology that distracted us right and there have been new distractions all along the way but he posits that this new distraction of mm-hmm. technology is different from all the previous oh absolutely distractions. absolutely I, I think what i was trying to get at is that this is part of human existence man yes it, it is learning how to it is learning how to uh fight the impulses to pacify ourselves and, and social media is a great pacifier. Exactly. And, 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 and so it's a, a new pacifier. Maybe we haven't developed the mechanisms to deal with it yet to keep from pacifying ourselves to death. I mean, I, I think back to David Foster Wallace's book, yeah. Infinite Jest is about entertaining ourselves to death. The, yeah. the sort of MacGuffin of that novel is, is this movie that is fatally entertaining. Like as soon as you put the cartridge into the, 
whatever the the TV player is because took place. I mean, it was written in the early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, but it took place I think in twenty seventeen, this distant future, and. Uh, and when you played this movie called Infinite Jest, you entertained yourself to death because you wanted to do nothing else but sit there and continue to watch this movie on repeat. You wouldn't eat. You wouldn't go to the bathroom. you just sit there and oh, watch Oh, you'd go movie. to the bathroom, all right. Right. You wouldn't get up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah and because it was so entertaining. And you basically died. It was like the heroine of entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so now in a weird way it feels like that's becoming true because you see these kids who are putting these diapers on while they're playing these these video games for 40 hours straight and ordering pizza and and and, and in a meaningful way they're dying mm. uh, and sometimes they're literally dying but but in, in a meaningful way they, they are pacifying themselves to death and we're doing that to a lesser extent with uh, with some of these social media outlets so um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, oh, uh, one other thing I thought about here, Ryan, is as we were talking about this pacification, uh, Joe Rogan has this great analogy. He's like, what if I told you there was a drug out there that made you get into car crashes, you felt constantly distracted by it, you were, it interrupted your conversations with friends, and you were constantly looking down at your hand, moving your thumb in this weird up and down motion. If there was a drug that did that to you, the government would probably ban it. Mm-hmm. Except now it's just our smartphones. Mm-hmm. We're all, I mean, you go somewhere. I, I notice it all the time. I notice myself doing it too. So I'm not, I'm not exempt from this. If I'm standing in line somewhere, everyone is just staring down at the screen because I need that stimuli. Mm-hmm. I need that pacifier right now, right? Yeah. But if, if, Ryan, if I saw you doing that without your phone, I would try to get you help. Yeah, you there'd be something wrong with me. Yeah, and and I, I would be like, man, I'm really concerned about Ryan. Like he's just doing this with his thumb all day. He's staring down at his hand. Have you seen the artwork that of where the the the, the artist photoshops the phones out of the people's hands? Oh yes. Yeah, and yeah. and so all of a sudden you, they're just all sitting there at a table like a dinner table together, all staring down at their hands. And man, it's terrifying to think how we're how we're using some of the. Uh, the things that were supposed to be useful, right? The next, uh, the next lesson that is unlearned, the the bad habit unlearned rather, is promos. This one's called promoless. There's too much branding going on these days. No, there aren't any advertisements on our website or podcast or social media feeds. But even we, the minimalists, have been guilty of too much self-promotion getting in the way of our own creations. Perhaps Derek Sivers said it best. Putting ads in your work is like putting a Coke machine in a monastery. And we feel the same way about all the shameless self-promotion that's going on these days, including our own. It's solipsism run amok. We're pledging to remove the Coke machine from the monastery immediately so you can better enjoy what we're creating and sharing without all the promotional eyesores. Yes, we'll occasionally talk about what we're working on, including events, books, and projects, but we won't let it get in the way of what we're creating. If anything, promotion should be similar to the end credits of a film, not the main plot. So you'll notice that uh, even with our, our podcast, uh, one thing we try to do now is we don't beat you over the head up front of the podcast. Like, hey, here's what we're working on. Come out to our tour stops. We, we know the people, the people who listen all the way through are the, the you know, what Kevin Kelly would call one of the, the thousand true fans. Those are the people who are going to want to attend our events anyway. So later in the podcast, I'll talk about how we're coming to Australia or if we have another event or something, we'll, we'll talk about that later on, but we don't have to you know, start off the podcast. But when I listen to some of my favorite podcasts, they have 10 minutes of advertisements at the very beginning. 
that's the Coke machine in the monastery. Yeah. And it I is really nice though that, that that you know, fast forward thirty second button, that's really nice though. Yeah, I agree. And and uh I get that, you know, the advertisements help keep the lights on. And oh, of uh, course. It's not me judging other people for that. It was who was Upton Sinclair who said it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. <laughs> Amen. And so how can I tell, how could I possibly go to you know, NBC and say, you shouldn't do advertisements. That, that's part of what is destroying our, our culture or, or our mind. Or you can't go to Facebook and, and tell them that they need to change their algorithm to make it less addictive mm. because it is difficult to get a man or a brand to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it and I think that uh, that quote is the best way to summarize why we don't do advertisements mm. yeah all right the uh, the next the next unlearned bad habit here is triplicate over the years we began using the different social media platforms the exact same way which when you think about it is insane <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, it, no, dude. Every time I went to our essays, and I'm like, okay, post it on fa- or essays or our podcast, post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter, post it on Google Plus, post it on Pinterest. Yeah, on all my personal accounts, it was like it felt like such a, it just felt a little weird. But anyway, yeah, and I, I totally agree. It was a digital version of those old carbon copy forms from decades past. Post a photo to Instagram, repost it to Twitter, and then re-repost it to Facebook. Lather, rinse, repeat. Triplicating our efforts isn't only tedious, it's the opposite of using these platforms intentionally. That is shotgunning. Yeah, exactly. It's such a shotgun and, approach. And we, yeah, some people use this platform, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it on there. And, and, right. And, and so what, what we want to do instead is use them for what we find to be the best purpose. And so the next session, a section in this essay is using social media differently. Because each social media platform is different, we want to use them differently, not as a carbon copy. So we've decided to focus on the specific strengths of each platform by identifying their primary and secondary uses. These changes should help us avoid creative overlap and will allow us to better communicate with our audience. So uh, Facebook, here's how we're using Facebook going forward. And again, keep in mind, this is all subject to change. We're testing it, out, testing the waters to see if this is, in fact, the best way for us to use it. And also, this isn't a prescription for you. It's no. just a template for us. Absolutely. So Facebook, we found our Facebook audience engages most with the articles we post. Thus, we'll be using our Facebook account primarily to share useful links, be it our own essays or others' simple living articles. Secondarily, we'll use Facebook to publish short audiograms and photo albums from past tours. So if we have a bunch of photos from a tour that we went on, we can collect it all there on Facebook. You have a, a nice photo album there on Facebook. And then audiograms, uh, it's a, audiogram is a, a short sort of snippet from our podcast, and there's a link there you can take a look. So sometimes Ryan and I will somehow manage to say something pithy or entertaining, and Jessica will collect that. And she used a program called Audiogram to share sort of a one or two minute snippet of uh, of something we said during a podcast. All right, the next one is is Twitter. So Twitter is the best platform for us to share text only minimal maxims. So we're going to use if we're using Facebook for links, whether it's our own links or other people's 
links. So we're sharing these useful articles. We found that our Facebook audience engages the most with those. They get the most value from those. Twitter is the best platform for us to share our text only. So we're not going to share any links. We're not going to share any photos on Twitter. We're just going to share the text. And we'll also occasionally retweet stuff from people that may or may not contain a, a link. Uh, and secondarily, we'll use Twitter to communicate directly with our audience. The brevity of Twitter makes it the best place for us to interact with other people. So if you want to interact with us directly, Twitter is by far the best place to do so. I, I find it so much more complicated to try to interact on Facebook or on Instagram. We may do so occasionally, but if you really want to interact with us, we're at The Minimalist on Twitter. I mean, we're at The Minimalist on all the platforms, but... Um, Twitter is the best place to interact with us. As far as Instagram is concerned, Instagram is undoubtedly the best platform to share photos, right? It's the photo platform. So going forward, we'll use Instagram primarily to share beautiful black and white images. Secondarily, we'll use the ephemerality of Instagram stories to brought, that's sort of like, for those of you who are unfamiliar with, with the, it's kind of like Snapchats, these, these, these moments that disappear, or 15 second moments or a photo that disappear after 24 hours. So we use the ephemerality of Instagram stories to broadcast updates, current events, and ephemera, and also useful excerpts from our blog posts and podcasts. So little bite-sized snippets that we'll share on Instagram, which will be different from the other platforms. And we'll occasionally use Instagram Live for unplanned live broadcasts, which are deleted after 24 hours. I really like that because you do it and then they're gone. You can interact with your audience, but it doesn't live out there in the internet's ether forever. And then uh, Pinterest is the next one. Pinterest is the internet's corkboard. And, and I wrote this down because I didn't put this in the essay, Ryan. But for me, I, I found that Pinterest, again, for me, I said Twitter was my favorite. Uh, Instagram is a waste of time and I don't use Facebook. Pinterest can be a black hole. I very rarely go there, but it's easy to sort of get lost in it because I, I, will, I, I will find this image and I sort of, go down this this black hole. It doesn't yeah. mean it is for everyone. I also understand that some people find more value in Pinterest than anywhere else. So it is the internet's corkboard. So it's ideal for us to share our letter boards, which uh, Jessica creates and makes really beautiful. Uh, these letter boards contain challenges and simple living reminders from the minimalists. We'll also use our Pinterest account to repost photos of minimalist living spaces. Our, our director, Matt Diavella, he just uh, he just posted a, a tour of his minimalist home, and he lives with his not-so-minimalist girlfriend, and we shared that over on Pinterest. So you can see some photos, and you can click through, actually, and see a video of his minimalist home. It's a short two-minute tour of, of his home. Speaking of videos, YouTube, that's the, the last platform that we use. Since YouTube is the premier video platform, this is where we publish videos created by the minimalists. This will be especially relevant when we add a video version of our podcast later this year. So if you're interested in that, you all just go to youtube.com slash the minimalists. Eventually we'll have a, a video version of this podcast when we have enough Patreon supporters to afford all the, the gear that's associated with that. Secondarily, we'll use YouTube to post other video creations, video essays, web series, and scheduled live streams. It's the best place for that. You'll notice our absence from most social media platforms, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Ello, Google+, Periscope, Flickr, Reddit, Quora, etc. That's not because these services aren't useful. They simply aren't useful for us right now. So this thing you were talking about earlier, Ryan, 
yeah, one day we might say, hey, Twitch is a great platform for us to live stream. Let's go over to that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even mention that in this paragraph. But well, because to me, it's like it's such a it's such a um, relevant platform. Mm -hmm. Like it's a it's a very relevant platform. It is, and, but, but so, it is so irrelevant for you and I. That's why I brought up Twitch specifically. And I think Snapchat is the same <clears throat> way. Snapchat yeah. is is relevant. And the the whole point here is that yeah, there's going you're always going to miss it on something. There's a definitely even if you're on every social media network we have mentioned so far. There's some out there that you're just not on, mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's fine. And if you're looking, so for Xander, if if you're looking, or anyone else who's listening, if you're looking to augment your creations with a social media platform, find the one you get the most value in and start with that. For us, we started with Twitter, and then we yeah. added on over the last seven years. And then don't use them all the same if you can avoid it, right? And that's really what this strategy for us is about, is not using them all the same. Let's use them differently. Let's use them for their strengths and see what happens when, when we do that. Yeah. All, all things considered, we hope to use our new strategy to creatively add value to other people's lives. This is our recipe, and it isn't ideal for everyone. Truth be told, it might not even be ideal for anyone but us. And even then, we'll likely adjust how we wield these tools after using them differently for a while. No, we don't expect you to follow us on every platform. Hell, we don't expect you to follow us on any platform. But if you find value in what we're communicating, feel free to join us on our new journey. And if you ever stop finding value in what we're sharing, please unfollow us at any time. All right, so that's that's that essay. I, I don't know if there's anything else to, to tweeze out here for... Well, here's, here's what I'll say for, for Xander. Xander. Like, just to kind of answer his, his question questions uh, head on. Um, he's got to have a plan. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here, like you know, following along with you as you're reading this essay we put out. And dude, why didn't we do this from the beginning? Yeah. Like, why the hell did we not come up with a plan like this in the beginning? So Xander, learn from our mistake, man, and come up with a plan. How do you come up with that plan? Like, you've got to ask yourself, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to communicate with each of these platforms? It sounds to me, Xander, like the podcast is the one that you should start with. And like I said earlier, dude, quit social media and start your podcast. Like that is what is going to matter. The content, ooh, I said it, Josh. Oh, put a, I'm taking it back. Put just, a $100 bill in the jar. It's the worst C word ever. <laughs> <laughs> I can, you, no, never mind. Xander has to create something. And getting on social media and, and trying to figure out how to be relevant on social media is going to really stifle his creation. I, I agree. And, and so the creation that you're working on will not be meaningful at first, probably. Right. So don't worry about social media, Xander. Just worry about creating. But the act of creating in and of itself is meaningful. Amen. And, and as you go further down the road, you will actually start to create something that is meaningful. You know what? I wrote for the better part of a decade before I published anything at all. Now, I'm not recommending that for everyone. I probably should have started publishing something a bit sooner, especially I didn't have all the tools that are out there now, whether it's blogging or self-publishing or all these other tools that are out there for people. You, you, you don't have to wait for someone else's permission. So, Xander, you don't need our permission to start your podcast. You just need to, you just need to start it. I think about um, something that Derek Sivers wrote uh, he has a book that he's rewriting right now called The Mindset of Marketing Your Music. And um, he uh, in there, he talks about how um, his time is worth, you know, how much is your time worth, Xander? Let's say it's worth 
$50 an hour. You're a young person. In fact, I would argue as a young person, your time is probably worth a lot more than that. I heard Jordan Peterson talking about this recently because it compounds, right? right? And so if you learn or create something today, if Xander, I don't know how old you are, but let's say you're 20 for the sake of this, this argument, something that you learn today, an hour of your time compounds over the next decades. Mm -hmm. And it's actually worth a lot more because uh, every hour that you spend working on something meaningful, you're going to have that now as an asset. The The skill that you develop becomes an asset for mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, Derek Sivers is like, you know, he said, I, I assume my time is probably worth $500 an hour. Not mm -hmm. literally, like I don't think I'm going to get a job for $500 an hour, but that's how much I put on, on that time. And so I'm like, is it worth it to spend an hour scrolling through Instagram in a day? If you go to the moment app and, and uh, if you have that moment app, you can track the activity on your phone. So definitely something I recommend to folks who are struggling with all of this. You just get the moment app on your phone. And if you look, you say, oh man, I was on Instagram for an hour a day. Mm. Would you have given $500 to be on Instagram today? Yeah. Well, no, of course not. Or maybe your time's only worth 50 bucks an hour or $25 an hour. Would you pay 25 bucks to be on Instagram for an hour? I know I wouldn't. And so when we think about it that way, we sort of, we, we, we flip the table over and realize like, wait a minute, is this worth my time? And often mm -hmm. the answer is no. The last thing that he, he asked about here, Ryan, is um, how can people use social media uh, less but make it better? And I think the answer to that question is actually in the question, right? Absolutely. Use it less, but make it better. And that's what this whole strategy was about for us. Mm -hmm. We want to use it less. We're actually going to be posting less. We're only posting like one thing a day on, on Instagram You know, photos. I know that's not a rule that we made, but that's actually a good rule that, I mean, people could make. Yeah. It's like if you, if you are, so how to create, to put rules around it, because that's, I think, why people, a lot of folks reach out to us. They want they want a they want a rule or an ingredient. Yeah, a definitive that, way to do it. Yeah, that they can look at and they could say, oh yeah, that makes sense, or they can look at it and say, no, these guys are nuts. Uh, but if they want to put a rule behind it, or if Xander wants to put a rule behind it uh, to create meaningful creations um, with less use, then yeah, then challenge yourself to use only one platform and post once a day or once a week. Yeah. Like, because why? Because limitations breed creativity. Absolutely. And, and so I was actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Ryan, because I didn't put this in the essay intentionally because I think it might change drastically. Um, but I was talking to Jessica on the phone last weekend uh, about this. And I, I, I was telling her, you know what? Like, I think we need to put some guidelines. These aren't rules, but some initial guidelines about how we post. And so let's just post one photo a day on Instagram just to, to see what that looks like. And she's like, well, I don't know, because what if we need to do that? I'm like, yeah, what if we need to do that? We're going to have to decide. We're going to have to choose which is going to add more value to our audience, right? Yeah. And so that limitation is going to breed some some creativity. And then with Twitter, like don't post more than three things a day on Twitter, uh, uh, excluding maybe commenting to other people. But original tweets from us, the text-only minimal maxims, fewer than than three a day three or fewer a day and then on uh what's the other one um facebook right one or two links a day and that is it create some boundaries for yourself yeah create those boundaries and then know if you have to step past them there better be a really good reason you're stepping past them and and you you might feel this twinge of of slight pain when you do step past them and that's that maybe that's not a bad thing after all all right um xander i'd love to send you a copy of our book Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. It's the first book Ryan and I wrote about the the five 
values, our foundational values that Ryan and I have built our lives on. But one of those is passion or creativity. And, and, and when you're looking at creating something new, it is something you want to develop into a passion. It's not follow your passion, it's cultivate a passion. And we talk about how to do that. It's in the, the third chapter of that book. It's called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Sean, if you can send him the audio book or if he wants the physical book instead or even the ebook, uh, if you reach out to Xander in Orlando and get that over to him. All right, we have a question from Michelle in Edmonton. I have an idea for a home business, and up until now, I've given my products to gifts, like as gifts to friends and family, um, and they all love them. They're very supportive of my business endeavor. Um, but what I'm really struggling with is how to create a social media strategy for my business without compromising my personal privacy. Um, I feel like minimalism has really helped me to balance my personal needs with the demands of reality, with work, with relationships. And I haven't had a social media profile in over four years, um, which has allowed me to really cherish my personal privacy. And I just feel overwhelmed by the demands associated with managing um, social media accounts. Hold on. Is she asking for advice on a plan for social media or is she asking how to stay anonymous? I think she's asking how to protect her privacy. Okay. Um, and, and the interesting word that she used there, and I don't know how intentional this was, but it really stood out to me, is demands. Like the demands mm. this puts on me. And there's a book, uh, th- uh, there's a line from our book, Everything That Remains, we are but dogs thrashing in the collars of our own obligations. <laughs> And, and and maybe you could switch that word obligations with demands, yeah. our, our self-imposed demands. And and we've created this dog collar that keeps us uh, at you know, tied to this post, so to speak, because we're creating these own demands. And so right. so the first thing is don't don't create the demand uh, if if you can avoid it. And so she she's talking about like, well, she, she made a very sweeping statement. My business needs social media to thrive. Oh, is, are there any businesses that don't have social media that thrive? So, yeah, so th- that's a great question. Michelle, another great question is why does my business need social media to thrive? Yes. Now, there's pro- there might be a very valid answer there. That's not what I'm not saying that that what she's saying isn't true, mm-hmm. but you know how you and I are, man. Like we're always trying to get behind the why because that's what really helps us to make uh, a better decision. So she's asking for the how and what we need to first get get to is the why before we can get to the how. Right. Why do you need social media? Have, have you even asked that question? Right. Is it because everyone else has social media? And, and if so, that's probably not the, the best answer. Everyone else has email, right? I'm, I'm thinking of this article that Cal Newport wrote called The Woodworker Who Quit Email. This is a guy in Kentucky. We'll put a link to this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, he decided that like he was spending too much of his time because he, he makes these creations. He, he's a woodworker. He makes a product, right? Mm -hmm. But he realized that at some point he was just responding to customers, potential requests, and, and he was spending several hours a day not creating because he was responding to email. And so he quit email mm-hmm. uh, professionally. He still had a personal email, but then he, he said he had people like they would work around, they'd send him something to his personal email, and he just deletes it. Like he has this steadfast rule. He says, if a customer wants to get a hold of me, they can come to my shop in Kentucky mm-hmm. and they, they can ask me their question. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to keep creating. And so it's a great, it's a, a great article called The Woodworker Who Quit Email. And, and 
So he was asking that question too. Why do I need email? He didn't. He went even a step farther from social media, right? Mm. And uh, in fact, I think one of the questions we'll answer during the the lightning round will end up talking about um, why even return to social media at all. And I think it's a question that's worth asking. But for but sure. For, so for Michelle, like, yeah, how does she keep her privacy? Well, I, I, so it really depends on what you mean by by privacy. Now, Ryan, you used the word anonymous. Mm-hmm. Well, she uh, did say it. Didn't she say the word anonymous in her question? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't write that down. Um, I but, didn't any, but anyway, but, yeah. but she may have. But but if she if she didn't if she wants to be anonymous, then you can still do that. In Absolutely, fact, that can be easier uh, than putting yourself out there as sort of a public figure like Ryan and I have. Well, I mean, you can look at me personally. I don't have a personal Facebook account, but I have. A, but we have the minimalists. Right. So my company is represented online. Um, but yeah, my I am able to keep all of my my person my personal life my all of my personal life activities off of facebook but you also choose what what to share and so of course there's an essay from our book essential i'm going to send a copy of this to to michelle uh there's 12 chapters in this book essential and so sean if you could send her the audio book but there's this essay that is uh, in the text chapter there's an entire uh chapter on technology and it's called online congruency and i'll read a little snippet from that because i think it'll it'll spawn a bit of a conversation between you and i ryan um i'm sitting in a diner in birmingham alabama smelling the ground coffee beans wafting through the air sifting through emails from friends one in particular stands out a close friend is amid a tedious med school application process and she's worried about her facebook account being used against her by the folks who review applications (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Whoops. It, in a weird way that this is sort of what michelle is talking about used against her in a looser sense like is that oh, what she's no. if that's what michelle is saying then we need to have an entirely different conversation with michelle <laughs> i think so and that's the conversation i want to start here so now i don't even have an undergraduate an undergraduate degree so i'm likely an unfit advisor on grad school matters but then again i don't re- really see this as a collegiate affair at all rather it's a matter of congruency and so really what i want to talk to, to michelle today about is congruency for the longest time i myself led two separate lives There was professional JFM and personal JFM. There was corporate me, prim and proper, ostensibly flawless. And then there was creative me, flawed but beautiful. Beautiful because of the flaws, perhaps. For obvious reasons, the two mixed about as well as glass rubbing against concrete. So I kept them segregated. Corporate me didn't talk about his love for writing. And creative me loathed hiding himself from the world. It was almost as though both sides were ashamed of each other. And so if, if that's what we're talking about, if we're talking about shame, mm. about who you are as a person, then, then man, that's that's what I felt in, in my late 20s especially. I had this creative side that really wanted to get out in the world. I had this professional side that had to hide my creative side. So if, there, if, so if and I'm not saying this is where Michelle is coming from. No. But if what she is saying is, I want to I keep private because I don't want people to know about my personal life. I just want them to know about my product. Mm-hmm. And if, and again, I'm not saying this is where she's coming from, but if, if, if her thought is, I don't want people knowing about my personal life because, uh, I don't want th- that. That's going to affect how they view my product. Mm-hmm. So, so then the question Michelle needs to ask herself is, would I be willing to buy this product from a person like me? 
the the person who is um going to a uh an interview and they're worried about you know facebook the question they need to be asking is if i was this hiring manager would i hire myself right now the example you gave with that story the answer is no Mm -hmm. that's a completely that's a completely different issue that that person needs to address right right i think so And, and so so think think about my my life though over time this is from the essay here it took its toll we're having the, the two separate identities until eventually I realized living two separate lives was exhausting, even disingenuous of me, right? Mm-hmm. It was disingenuous to be this one guy nine to five or really nine to nine or whatever, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. I was corporate JFM um, and it was exhausting and disingenuous. So instead of hiding one half from the other half, I decided to change my activity to align both halves. Mm. And so for me, it, it's it's not just about privacy. It's about having this sense of online congruency. Is my personal and professional self the same human being, mm. right? And so in my friend's case, she wanted to go as far as changing her name on social media. My advice, do you do anything online you're not proud of in real life? If so, I wouldn't change my name. I'd change my online activity. Exactly. So if you're doing something that you're unproud of or, or that you're ashamed of, then maybe changing the activity is more important than trying to hide the activity, right? Well, yeah, it, it's funny because like I want to go deeper with this and say uh, <laughs> the activities that those people are doing, they're doing them for a reason. Right. And, uh, you know, it might be because they're trying to impress a certain group of people, but yet they have to hide this activity mm. so they can uh, get hired by a different group of people. <laughs> I mean, that whoever this person is in this example, mm-hmm. like really needs to question who are they trying to please? Yeah. Like who, who, what group of people are they trying to, to be part of? But yeah, dude, to your point, if they're trying to, to, to keep both groups separate, not knowing about each other, leave con- com- two completely different lives. It's possible. Yeah. But dude, that's a miserable life. Yeah, it, it is. It's exhausting. It's, it's, a, it's an exhausting life. And, and, and there's certain, there's going to always be this misery of or this discontent you're going to feel because you, you're not going to feel like yourself because you're never your full because self. Because you're not yourself. Yeah, yeah you're, you're incongruent in a way. And again, that's why I put myself in the scenario. That's That was me. For sure, and I can still see it now. If there's yeah, something too, I, I, I'm afraid of sharing or whatever, I have to I have to question like, is this my best self? So for me, there isn't an online self and a real life self these days. Just myself. Whether I write something online, speak to a crowd of people, or have a one-on-one conversation with a friend, my life is congruent. Don't get me wrong. I still have a private life. And so this is the part that really applies to Michelle here. I still have a private life. Like most people, I enjoy having sex, sending dirty text messages, and walking around the house naked. I just don't share those details publicly. Not because I'm ashamed, but because they're private and because they don't contribute to the greater good. There's a big difference between a public online profile, which is an extension of oneself, and a private intimate conversation, personal interactions that that are not meant for public consumption. And so really deciding what's private and what's public, that's a personal matter for you, Michelle. You can share whatever you like. Just don't be ashamed of of who you are because... uh, Shame is ugly, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so what, what we want to do when we're separating our, our public life and private life 
I ask myself, does this serve the greater good? And, and if so, then I'm willing to share it. You know, you're not going to see a nude selfie of me. Um, that certainly would serve no I'm just like rolling my, good. I, my eyes right now of like all the, I don't know, I'll come across some Instagram celebrity picture gallery of like all these bathroom selfies or something like, uh-huh. and it's like, Hey, bathroom selfie picture gallery. Like just people <laughs> thinking like, Oh, this is, it's cute and funny cause I'm on the toilet and I'm going to take a picture of myself in the bathroom. It's like, mm. that is the, that is like the, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. The only way you get more masturbatory than that is by putting a picture of yourself masturbating <laughs> <laughs> on social media. That's the only way you could get more masturbatory, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it Look is. Look at me. It, it, it's the epitome of that. And so, so I think Michelle, what I would encourage here is is finding a line, finding a boundary. Uh, between your private life and then ask yourself as we 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 stated early on why am i using this and and i think there are really two reasons to use social media effectively there may be more but the two that i see is to broadcast that could be about your product or service Mm -hmm. but you want to do so in a way that adds value right Mm -hmm. you want to start a conversation and that leads to the second the second side of things it's about communication right Mm -hmm. you're communicating with an audience or a potential audience about your product what you don't want to do is just get out there and be like, look at my product, look at this, look at this, look at this. Or even if you're not doing it from your own point of view, your company's point of view, look at our new product. It's great. It's beautiful. No. Why do people care? Why do people want to follow that? How are you adding value? Another person I would encourage you to follow on social media, uh, he's on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Scott Stratton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he has a great podcast called Unmarketing, and he talks about how, how do we communicate our products and services with the world in a genuine way? How can we be congruent with what we're trying to to broadcast to the world? And then for you, Michelle, decide what's off limits for you and then draw the line there. And the line may change over time. Over time, you may be more comfortable sharing more about yourself or you may become less comfortable. In fact, I think for me, I've become more and more private online over the past few years because I was oversharing at one point. Yeah. And I'd rather I'd rather take that time to, to create, right? I just read this article uh, the other day about how it was a study done on people who um, constantly post pictures of them and their significant other. Yeah. And how the more pictures you see online of that person and their significant other, there is a correlation with the more insecure, the the worse the relationship is. Yeah, inverse relationship like there's between a- <clears throat> the, the way it looks online and the way it is in real life. Exactly. And it's funny because um, I was so happy when I saw this because Mariah... I, I, she's like, you know, um, I, you don't post enough pictures of me online. She's never actually said that verbatim, but like, you know, every once in a while she will mention something like, um, uh, yeah, you know, I, maybe you could put more pictures of me on there or you, whatever it is, man. Like some, you know, she sees other people posting pictures of their relationship, every other picture. Yeah, and she that? wants people to know that her and I have an amazing relationship. So right. she wants to, me and to project the same thing, which I totally understand. Sure, I but when so. I found this article, I sent it to her and I'm like, this is a very good sign that I don't do this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, and obviously it's a, it's correlation. It's not causation based. There are great relationships out there. They post every single picture that they've ever sure, taken. Sure. There are terrible relationships that don't post any pictures, maybe because they're ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the last thing I will tell Michelle here is this question that you're asking 
it's the question I started wrestling with in 2014. And I, it's taken you know th- three plus years. With December 2014, after we finished that big tour, I remember sitting down and saying, we're using social media in a way that's in triplicate and it's not that useful Mm -hmm. but here's the sad thing i didn't have the courage to to make the change sooner right to Mm -hmm. sit down with you ryan and and then eventually jessica or whomever and 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 say hey we need to do a better job of curating this of adding value using these tools as tools and not you know if you have a hammer i want to use it as a hammer and i don't want to beat someone over the head with it right and we weren't beating people over the head with it we just weren't using it to our full potential we were doing a good job at social media we were shotgunning dude but we weren't doing a great job no we were shotgunning yeah and, and so that's that's done we're done doing that it's not about promoting us it's not about it's it's about adding value to an audience and if we can do that and then use it to communicate products and services that we may occasionally put out there, great. But that's not the primary driver. And certainly making money from it is not a primary driver. You never, you'll never see an advertisement in there or anything like that. We want to use it to augment our creations. And so, Michelle, if you can do that, I think you'd be off to a really good start. All right, y'all, we'd love to hear what you have to say about social media. So if you have a comment or tip about social media, including advice for any of our, our callers today, or if maybe you just want to talk about the Martin Luther King videos and tell us why we're wrong or why we're right, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. It's my favorite uh, portion of the show. At the end of each show, we air our favorite comments and tips from our listeners. If you don't want to leave us a voicemail, you can send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at minimalists.com and we'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for me to go back to the previous question. Uh, no, I just wanted to add one more thing for Michelle, man, before we move on to the lightning round. Uh, Michelle, you have the opportunity now to set the expectations. I was just thinking of this when you were reading the the, the little intro to the lightning round, I yeah. was, uh, and I just got to get this out. Like, Michelle, you have the opportunity to set the expectations now and to manage expectations, not just like for your friends and family, uh, with how you're going to be on social media, but with your customer base, this is so important. Um, so uh, I wish Josh and I had done a better job of managing that expectation when we first started. Um, and we're doing a great job now, and it's t- and it's totally fixable and something we've been able to, uh, you know, as you've seen this this episode, uh, kind of correct. But yeah, learn from our mistakes, Michelle, and and like we told Xander, have a plan. And uh, uh, with that plan, yeah, you can set you can set good expectations. All right. Well, and learn from your own mistakes too, right? You'll make some mistakes along the way and be willing to to adjust accordingly. All right, all right. We can move on to our lightning round. Sorry. Let's do it. All what right, man. Oh, yeah, wait. We have to say something about the lightning round, do don't we? we? No, we don't. It's time for our lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People need to know. So we're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalist during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I do our best to each answer uh, each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And you can now find all of our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All right. All right. Our first lightning round question is from Alyssa. Alyssa wants to know, how do you determine the line between too much and just enough for people who still need to promote stuff? Did being off social media reveal any lack of value or value for getting the word out about projects? Yes. Here's my short answer. If it feels like too much, it's too much. Amen. And so, so think about that for a second. She she asked, uh, uh, how do you determine the line? That, for me, that tends to be the line. And and here's here's the cool part about that, but also the the frustrating part about that. Maybe it's cool because it's frustrating, Ryan. Mm-hmm. But it, if it feels like too much, 
today and then tomorrow it feels it, like it, too little well no 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 it it, it it may not feel like too much today, but a year from now, it may feel like too much. And so it's constantly scaling back or simplifying yes. or changing. The line will move over time, mm-hmm. right? And the same is true. Like if Ryan and I, you and I are getting ready to go out into some big tour or whatever, we're obviously going to mention that. So we will you know, promote it. Uh, in fact, I'll use a different word. We will market it differently, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, she asked, though, did being off social media reveal any lack of value or value for getting the word out about projects? And I, I would say yes and no. I mean, uh, we, we announced this Los Angeles event, uh, which by the time this comes out, we'll already be done. We're, we're filming this documentary uh, called Less Is Now. And that thing sold out in three hours without social media. Right, but then here's the weird thing: this, the 7 p.m. show still had a few tickets left, and so we'll use social media to help sell that event out as well. We're not going to beat people over the head with it, though. And so, so the answer is, yeah, we may have missed out slightly, but you're not missing out on as much as you think. No, it is. Yeah, I, I, that is one of the hugest lessons I learned, man. Is like it is really not that relevant. It does help. It does augment, and it does add value. There's no doubt about it. But, I think so. but it it is. Um, yeah, life is totally fine without it. And, and we're so we're bringing the the tour over to Australia. We're ending our our lessons now tour in Australia in March, and uh, I got an update uh, just recently. And ticket sales were just fine when we were off social media. Mm-hmm. Now we'll use social media to announce that hey, we're coming over there next month, and and you can come check us out. But again, it's it's going to be the end credits. It's not going to be the plot of the film. Exactly. Josh, I think it's amazing how you included uh, included feels in your answer there. <laughs> Here's my pithy answer. For me, any social media is too much. The question I try to ask myself is how can I use this tool as little as possible and still add value to the various platforms people love? So what, what I mean by that is this. I hate social media, man. Like if you look at my tweets compared yeah. to anybody else's tweets, man, I mean, it is like, I am like a fourth or a third. Like I am, I don't use it that much. Yeah. I use it, uh, well, you, you know, you had talked about earlier about how there there were two ways you use social media. Mm-hmm. Broadcast, communicate. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, it's, um, I, I kind of look at it and, and maybe we're saying the same thing. I look at it as you are either, uh, yes, you're either uh, broadcasting, you are, you are saying something on social media right. um, or you are consuming mm. social media. Yes. And uh, for me, when I am creating, when I am broadcasting, um, like Twitter is my main my main social media platform um, uh, for broadcasting. Yes. For consuming, my main platform is Instagram. Is Instagram. Yeah. Um, so on, on, on Twitter, uh, when I broadcast, I'm asking myself like, okay, uh, yes, is this going to add value? But more importantly, it, it has to do one of these three things. Um, I, I am either, uh, I have something I want to communicate, like whether it's an event or an article, a witty remark, something that I feel like is going to um, add value, whether it's uh, informational or entertaining, right? Yes, yeah. Both, um, both of which add value. Entertaining can just be funny. Absolutely. So uh, uh, one of those reasons, um, it's when I have a question. So I love, I love going to Twitter yeah. Um, I did this on Facebook a little bit and it did help a lot because um, sometimes I got to get out of my bubble. Yeah. Sometimes like I am just, I'm in too much of a bubble and I'm like, all right, dude, everyone who I hang out with is telling me the same thing and that's okay. 
but I want to hear a different perspective and, uh, you know, an unbiased perspective, um, from, or multiple bias or multiple bias perspectives. Yeah, dude. So I love going to Twitter, um, or, or other platforms I've used before, um, to, to posit a question that I really want to get some, a lot of feedback on, but really other than that, man, like I'm, I was going through my feed and thinking about how I use it. I don't use it much, much beyond that, man. So, um, again, for me, if I could, if we could not use social media and it have, it not have such a huge impact on us. Yeah. If it was neutral, if it was neutral, like we wouldn't use it. Um, it does have an impact. You know, there isn't like a percentage I could sit here and put on it and say, we reach, we change this many more lives when we use, um, social media than if we didn't like, there, you know, it's impossible to quantify that. But I, I think and you can quantify it to, to a lesser extent and you can look at like how many people subscribe or visit the blog, I should say, and, and podcast and other creations versus how many people follow us on social media. And it's probably one twentieth. So 5% of the value of what we do is you know, because what do we have? A million, two million people on social media total across all platforms. Sure. And but we probably have twenty million people a year uh, across all the other non-social media platforms. Mm. And so, if I look at it that way, I realize so it is a bit quantifiable. I think so. Yeah, I, the I question is, from. I don't know if people get the same value though. So, like, I think you get disproportionately more value from say the podcast or the blog than you do social media. So it may be that 5% of our audience is on social media. Maybe it's even 10%, right? Mm -hmm. Five to 10%. But then do they get as much value as they do from the other 90%? And if you use that, then what you can say is, man, we should allocate five to 10% of our time on social media and the other 90% of the time creating, which I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I do too, man, for sure. I, um, I want to be clear, like I am, I'm being a little hyperbolic, right? With any social media is too much. Um, like when I was writing this out, I was thinking about like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to go to the gym, I wouldn't. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I hate going to the gym. Right. But I love what going to the gym gets me. You, you love having gone to the gym. I love having gone to the gym. Right. Exactly. And that's how I kind of look at social media. Like I don't really love social media because it is an extra... Uh, it's just a thing that takes my time up. Right. It's a, t it's a time suck. It is yes. what it is. Whether it's good or bad, um, we try to make it as good as possible, as much as possible. Right. Um, but but uh, m the point is, is that I can go to social media though and I can use it in a way that is very inspiring or very helpful, adds a lot of value. Um, but just like going to the gym, dude, you can go to the gym too much and you can, you can hurt yourself working out too much. Absolutely. I mean, you hear these stories of so many CrossFitters who like, they're just starting CrossFit and they haven't, they used to be an athlete, but they haven't worked out in 10 years and they start CrossFit because they have the motions down or whatever. All of a sudden people are throwing out their back and dropping plates on their neck and all this crazy stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm doing this wrong. Mm. Too much, too soon, too much emphasis, whatever. And I think the same is definitely true with social media. All right, Mikey wants to know, why return? Does social media actually make your life more meaningful or is it really just a modern platform to advertise? He has advertising quotes there. Um, I believe I did that with my inflection. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> we, in, in the radio biz, we call that a vocal quote. <laughs> As I'm talking about inflection, Josh has his hands above his head flexing his biceps. I, Bicep. I just have one. <laughs> the other one's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, so here's here's my pithy answer, and then we will we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. A paintbrush can create a masterpiece. A paintbrush can destroy a masterpiece. An idle paintbrush, however, does nothing at all. And so the, the thing that I would just talk about here is it, social media is a tool, and it can be both. It can be meaningful. It can also be a platform to advertise. Now, I'm going to read something really quick from Derek Sivers. A moment ago, I was talking about his book, The Mindset of Marketing Your Music, which he's reworking on. We'll put a link to it in, in the show notes. This is real quick. The, the, the title of this chapter is Marketing Just Means Being Considerate. Don't confuse the word marketing with advertising, announcing, spamming, or giving away branded crap. Really, marketing just means being considerate. Marketing means making it easy for people to notice you, relate to you, remember you, and tell their friends about you. Marketing means listening for what people need and creating something surprisingly special for them. Marketing means getting to know people making a deeper connection, and keeping in touch. All of these are just considerate, looking at things from the other person's point of view and doing what's best for them. A lot of musicians say, I hate marketing. So yeah, if you thought marketing meant turning off your creativity, spending lots of money, and being annoying, then it's a good thing you don't like that. Nobody likes that. Just find creative ways to be considerate. That is the best marketing. You know, it's funny. Uh, the pithy answer I wrote, I've been writing my pithy answers without looking at yours. Uh-huh. Um, because they usually, not usually, but a lot of times they just end up saying kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one influences the other. <laughs> right. Same thing happens to me when you write yours first. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, that's why you switched them around. I was always wondering why you did that. Oh, really? Yeah, because it used to be... Yeah, anyway. So uh, here's my pithy answer. A silent monk sitting in a temple converts no one. Mm. And it's it's just saying the same thing that you said, man. Um, someone who has... Like a monk. Like I look at a monk. I really look up to monks. They got a lot of knowledge. Um, I, I've had some meaningful conversation with monks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love talking about spirituality. I love talking about beliefs. I love talking about um, dogmatics. All the all, all that stuff. Although we don't talk about that on the show because that's, that's, that's typical. I like having those conversations with like one or two people. Yeah, in private. <laughs> yeah, in private. I don't like having those conversations. What's well, for you? So Publicly. going back to what Michelle was talking about earlier, like that's a, a line you draw. You're not going to talk oh, about yeah. spiritual, spirituality publicly because you feel like it will take away from the greater good. It takes away from the greater It'll good. It'll polarize people because the tribe thing we were talking about it's, with Xander. It's divisive. And that's not uh, what I, I don't want to be divisive. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, but when I think of a monk and how much I look up to a monk and why I look up to a monk, if I think of if every single monk ever like just went to a monastery and was silent and never left the monastery, then I never would have had the opportunity to have a really cool conversation with a monk. Yeah, it wouldn't serve the greater good. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, I would argue that people who who have an amazing message or, or a story that they really want to get out there or something that is going to add value to, to a lot of people. It's going to help in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of doing a disservice by not saying anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And so that I think that's the point. Why, why return? Because not returning would do a disservice to our audience and the people who rely on us to to whisper amongst the noise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, David Foster Wallace has this... Uh, 
great quote in one of his essays. He talks about you know, a guy going to a Metallica concert and whistling Mozart. Yeah. And and that's what we're trying to do sometimes. It feels like on social media, it's pretty loud, man. But we're just going to come in there calmly. We're going to speak softly. And not everyone's going to hear us, but hopefully some of you will. And I think that's pretty great. And I uh, I, th- I think that, yeah, uh, uh, Mikey, we're not advertising. We, we don't do advertisements. Uh, we have done in the past. I don't think I'll do this ever again. I, uh, maybe we will, but we've done... Uh, promoted posts on Facebook, but just to our audience. Facebook is, it's pay to play, right? And Mm -hmm. so if we have, I don't know how many people follow us, half a million people on Facebook. If you want to reach all of them, Facebook isn't like, yeah, just go and post something. You can reach all of them. Mm -hmm. They make you pay to reach all of them. But we wouldn't just put up an ad to say, please target, you know, young women in Alberta who want to, you know, listen to podcasts or whatever. Um, but sometimes it just like, uh, we'll use MailChimp occasionally to send out newsletters, mm-hmm. uh, from, from our website. You have to pay to do that. It's not free and it's just a platform. Uh, but we don't, we, we never advertise. And, uh, so it isn't an advertisement and you need to understand the difference between marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. Marketing is being considerate as Derek Siver says, and that's what we're trying to do. The reason we return is to be considerate mm-hmm. toward our audience. Yeah. It's, uh, just a little aside, man. I was thinking about the stuff we communicate on social media and i'm like dude the mat the vast majority of of what the minimalists advertise or mar- whatever you want to call it it's free it's stuff you can get for free yeah yeah i mean so if it's this if we're marketing this podcast it's it's free well it's free for most of you most of you are freeloaders monetarily free but some of you support us on patreon <laughs> um you're not freeloaders if you don't if you don't support us what yeah, technically you are. I mean, that's the, that's the economic term for it, right? It's called the freeloader problem, I'm not, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone for it. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judging you either. You're a freeloader and I'm okay with that. <laughs> it just... It, just, uh, it is what it is. Dude, my insecurities reflect the mirror. <laughs> that are, <laughs> and, and so here's the thing. Like, I go out of my way. I listen to a bunch of podcasts and anytime I can support them monetarily. Of course. Uh, or here's the other thing. So YouTube, you know, YouTube is my crack. It still is my crack, right? And the best $12 I spend every month mm-hmm. is I spend $12 for YouTube because it makes it 100% advertisement free, YouTube Red. Oh, that's awesome. And I listen to YouTube quite often as I didn't like know you a could po- do that. Yeah, it's 12 bucks a month and it cuts out every single hour. That's why we just watched those, those videos of the Martin Luther King thing earlier. Mm-hmm. There were no ads that popped up because nice. I pay 12 bucks a month and I can, right from my phone, it allows you to not watch the video and just listen to the audio because some podcasts are just video podcasts and I'll listen to them on YouTube and I could do it right from my phone and there's never an advertisement. And so I'm willing to pay for those advertisement free things. And so you all can, can do that with this podcast. Well, if you can't afford it, totally understand it. You're welcome to be a freeloader. That's not a judgment. It's just, it is the technical economic term. All right, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. So we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. All right, Ryan, has anything added value to your life recently? Dude, I picked up a uh, Columbia Roast from Blue Bottle. Yeah. The other day, uh, well, there's You know one- what I'm shocked by is they were bought by Nestle. They weren't bought by Nestle. Yeah, they were. No, I thought Nestle just invested, like bought a bunch of stock, like invested a they're bunch of money. They're owned by Nestle. On. They're owned by Nestle? Yeah, yeah. And, but their quality hasn't changed. No, and, the quality hasn't, but the quantity has changed. Right. I mean, there, there are more shops popping up everywhere. In West Hollywood, there are like three shops. and So, yeah. So, a shop opened up about a block away from my house. I'm lucky if I can get in there and get beans. 
Oh yeah, they, they keep very few retail beans. It is like in the stock. when I say quantity, like it's it's a hard to get. It's hard to get beans at a retail store. Online is where is the best place to get it. But the good news is California is, just legalized coffee, and so soon you'll be able to get more of it. So anyway, go to bluebottle.com. <laughs> <laughs> go to Single Origins, and there should be a Columbia there that you can order. Um, their stuff does go really quick, like I was saying. So I'm, I uh, yeah. I hope you can get if you're a coffee lover. I hope you can get it because it's a yeah. It is a damn fine roast. Or if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in Los Angeles, you're in New York. They have shops in all three cities. I think they're coming to Boston and Miami pretty soon too. They're in New York. They got a couple shops in New York for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Oh, I, I said if you're in, you weren't paying attention. You said the no, no. You said the Bay Area. I was stuck or on. The, if you're in the Bay Area or L.A. or New York, then you can go in and get coffee right there. <laughs> I was stuck on the West Coast, man. And and then if you if you go if you're in Miami or Boston, they should have a shop coming soon. Anyway, I think they're opening up a shop in New York pretty soon, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, Ryan, I'm glad you asked if there's something that added value to my life recently. <laughs> so there, dude, I'm just, you know what, dude, this portion of the podcast, uh-huh. I'm assuming like 80% of people shut their, <laughs> shut the podcast off and we're like, let's go to the added value. I get so many comments of when we don't do an added value segment. How come you do an added value segment? No, this no, week? no. There's definitely a lot of people yeah. listen to it still, but it's just, we can let loose a little bit more here. Cause I know that 80% of people have stopped listening at this point. So, so, Cal, <laughs> so Cal Newport, uh, uh, we already mentioned him once, but he, he wrote this article called Arnold Bennett's fight against steampunk social media. And he, uh, he talks about this guy, Arnold Bennett. He published a short volume called How to Live on 24 Hours a Day, which, by the way, is such a great title. How to Live on 24 Hours a Day. This is in 1910. And he was alarmed with the way the newly emergent British middle class seemed to waste their time outside of work. The average salaryman in this era doesn't live, he noted, but instead muddles through wasting time. And he has a little quote there. That inexplicable raw material of everything, the supply of which, though gloriously regular, is cruelly restricted. So he, he's really just talking about how we're wasting all of all of our time. Now, this is the same argument we put forth for social media these days. But if you read this essay, I won't go through the whole thing here. But he talks about how basically people just come home from work and they 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 just potter around, right? They they. Uh, uh, go play a game of cards or or they're basically just wasting their time and we're doing the same thing with social media and so, so maybe another question to ask ourselves is is this wasting my time or even better is this the best use of my time you know what dude but we've got to we, we, we've got to be clear too though that like it's okay to waste time sometimes yes it, it, we have to give ourselves permission to waste time right like it's it's just a balance of like we want to create, mm-hmm. but we also got to relax. Mm-hmm. So it's like wasting as little time as possible, but still be okay with wasting a little bit of time. And so maybe the, again, the best question to ask, and is this the best use of my time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sometimes wasting your time is the best. It is use yeah. of your time. Yeah, absolutely. That's Usually a great point. it's not. Let, let's be clear. Of course. Wasting 23 hours a day, not advisable. Right. Um, Being able to discern when it is okay to waste your time. That's, right. That's what we're all striving for, man. I still don't know what, if I'm wasting my time properly or not. You know, and, it's, and treating it maybe as a reward sometimes is great too. I know I do that with my crack YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, I will schedule it and say, okay, if I've accomplished what I want to accomplish, I need to get through all these things, write this essay, whatever. I'll give myself permission to go on YouTube for an hour 
and, and and sort of veg out, waste that time productively or intentionally, intentionally wasting time, which isn't a waste at all. Ooh, there's something pithy in there for you, Sean. Uh, anyway, I've, I've got a couple more uh, recommendations here because they all sort of go together. I already talked about the Center for Humane Technology. Um, they have a page on there called Take Control. It's about social media. So let's just uh, talk about some of the things from that. We'll put a link to the full article in the show notes. So the Center for Humane Technology is started by Tristan Harris, a former ethicist at Google, and he's trying to help people take control of their phone. And here's some simple changes that will help you take care, take control of your phone. Turn off all notifications except from people. And uh, notifications appear as red dots because the red triggers, that, that color triggers you, it instantly draws your attention in basically. And so he talks about that and how to turn off all of your notifications. Go grayscale on your phone. I know I've tried this in the past and man, it really helps. It radically reduces the amount of, of uh, twitching that I do for my phone because it's less exciting when it's all in grayscale, right? Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, he said the next tip here is try keeping your home screen on tools only, and he he shows a little like a a little setup here of how to only have the tools there. So your notepad, your GPS, at the bottom maybe, right, uh, maybe your voice memo. Well, here I'll show you the picture here. He has this setup really interestingly. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I'm not trying to one up him. Yeah, but my my screen has on, my home screen has yeah. only those four things at the bottom. Yeah, no, totally, and and I, I think uh, this is a nice like step in between, right? Mm-hmm. Where where you have only the tools on your phone. For me, a Kindle app would be on there. Your calendar might be on there, and so he he shows you how to do that. Launch other apps by typing. So if you really want to go to Instagram, force yourself to scroll down, type in the word Instagram, and it forces you to think a little bit instead of mindlessly swiping to find to find that icon, right? Yeah. Actually going in and typing in the name. Charge your device outside the bedroom. He talks about why that's important. Go cold turkey. Remove social media from your phone. Uh, that's one of the things we did in January for sure, just have all those icons gone. And I found myself twitching for it at first, but then of course, when you can't switch for it, you find something else to replace it with. Hopefully it's maybe a Kindle app or something more more useful. Yeah. Uh, this one was interesting that uh, you and I actually do this occasionally, Ryan. Send audio notes or call instead of texting. We will often send audio notes, especially if it's like, uh, and the reason he, he says that is that studies show it's common for people to misinterpret text messages. Now, as a writer, the thing that I try to do is make my, my text messages more clear. Right. Uh, and in fact, it's one of the things I teach my writing students in the, the How to Write Better writing class is I say don't use emojis mm-hmm. because if you use your vocabulary correctly, you, you can you can do better than an emoji, right? You can do better at communicating. Yeah. And, and so, uh, but he, although Although in the same token, an emoji can communicate so many words with just a picture. It, it absolutely can. But if you're trying, my, my point is, if you're trying to improve your writing, how can you... How, I'm how, with you. How can you create that emotion? There is an appropriate time for writing. an emoji, and there's right. an appropriate time for not an emoji. Right. I agree with you. The majority of the time, it's probably not appropriate. And, and actually, in texting, maybe it's maybe it's it's appropriate more there. But well, I'm sorry, in like a professional setting, I guess. Is what right. I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But the when you're trying to improve your writing, one of the things that I I encourage people to do is avoid those little shortcuts or whatever. But I like this if we're just trying to communicate with each other and we don't want to be misinterpreted via text message because of tone or whatever, you can... You can have tone in a little voice memo you send over to someone. So send that audio note instead of sending the text. 
And then he has a texting shortcut here, use quick reactions. And so he talks about that. And then there's a bunch of other resources there at the Center for Humane Technology. It's their take control page over there. And then uh, two other things that sort of go together. There's a podcast I listen to occasionally. I've got Sean listening to it now. I think Bex listened to it. You know, I'm, I, I love music. I'm, I'm really into music. There's a New York Times Popcast is what it's called. And the critic on there, his name is John Caramonica. And one week he'll put out an episode about jazz music. And the next week he'll put out an episode about yeah, Little Peep and the new SoundCloud uh, rapper's music. I find it's weird that Little Peep has been mentioned now on <laughs> two podcasts in a row. Well, may he rest in peace. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, and he'll he'll talk, but he, he talks about this music with such nuance. He can go through a, a Little Peep album the same way he can go through a John Coltrane album. Mm. It, John Caramonica is sort of a savant of... I want to hear him review a mumble rap album. Yeah, that, that, that's, I mean, Little Peep is... Oh, yeah, Little Peep is mumble rap. Is effectively oh, yeah. mumble rap, yeah, yeah. and man, he's good at, at at both. But then he did this episode recently on how some of the best writers in 2018 in, in music uh, are female writers and female bands. And he introduced me to this new band called Snail Mail, and they have this EP that came out in 2016. It's the only work that's out there right now, and they've got this song on there that is called Slug, which we can listen to really quick.
All right, so so I've been finding value in that EP. Apparently, Snail Mail has an album coming out, hopefully this year. It really is some of the best writing that uh, that I've heard in, in music recently. So check out the pop uh, the popcast if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, and if you like music, and then also if you like music, check out Snail Mail's Habit EP. All right, uh, let's move on real quick to right here, right now. So we talk about what is going on in the lives of the minimalists. So Ryan. Josh, let's talk about what's going on in our lives. What do we got going on? We got Australia. We do, but first, uh, a lot of people have been asking asking me about my health. I've been talking a little bit about my health. Mm. Um, eventually, uh, within the next few months, hopefully, I will do a podcast or maybe a series of podcasts talking about how I got rid of my back pain, which I struggled with desperately. I mean, it was ten out of ten pain for a while. So we'll hopefully do an Dude, episode. I thought we were going to have that. to cancel our tour in 2014. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Uh, we'll deal with that. Uh, I'll try to deal with some of the other problems. I had really bad gut problems I fixed, mercury poisoning. I'm going to try to bring one of my doctors in here to talk about uh, from Nourish, Nourish Balance Thrive, Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Kelly, Christopher Kelly. Have him come in and maybe talk about and maybe go over some of my tests and something that would be helpful for other people. And also talk about things I'm still struggling with health, health-wise, like mm-hmm. my multiple chemical sensitivities. Did you get the mold tests back yet? I haven't gotten back yet. We did a mold test uh, last week. It takes about yeah. 10 days to, to get that back but uh, I've gone through so much I've improved so much I've got a lot of room to grow still and to improve but hopefully I'll be able to do a podcast episode detailing some of the health stuff not to just pontificate about what I've improved but I really want to help people and I get questions all the time about about how I improve certain things about my health uh, next week we've got a podcast episode about emotions with Courtney Carver so Courtney Carver is going to be in our new studio we're going to record a podcast episode with her we're actually going to be doing an intro for a book tour stop she has here in los angeles by the time this comes out that will have already happened she has a new book out called uh, soulful simplicity uh oh you mentioned we're going to be in australia so those are either sold out or really close to selling out in almost all the cities we're going to perth adelaide brisbane sydney melbourne and auckland we have two stops in Melbourne because that first one sold out. I know they're all getting pretty close, so come on out if you want in March to see us live. It's a Less Is Now tour. You can go to theminimalists.com slash tour. You can find all the theaters, dates, and tickets if they are still available. And if you want the show notes to every single episode that we, we create, we can send them to you via email. Just go to our website, theminimalists.com, type in your email address at the top. We'll send you any new podcast episodes, all the show notes, everything we mention. Also, any new essays uh, that we that we publish, anything that we write, you'll get there for free. You also get some occasional news updates from The Minimalist, but of course, we'll never, ever send you spam or junk or anything like that. No advertisements, no pop-ups, all that stuff is, is no fun. Uh, oh, and this week on our Postscript episode, we're changing the name, Ryan, from Overtime to Postscript. Yeah. 63, we, we went out on uh, Patreon. And asked the the folks on Patreon, and 63% voted for Postscript. 37 said they wanted to keep the overtime. So from here on out, they aren't overscript. Or over, they're overscript. Oh my God! New poll. <laughs> <laughs> postscript or overscript? Uh, or post time? 
Just for the record, I don't care what we call it. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So uh, this week on our postscript episode, we're going to try to answer five quick questions about social media. Uh, the first one is, are you going to use your personal accounts the same way as the minimalists' accounts? And we're also going to answer, did you spend more time on phone calls in place of social media, and did you enjoy that while you were off? Uh, what did you miss the most about social media? And is there any lingering desire to cut it out entirely? I think you're gonna be surprised by some of our answers on some of these. Did your relationship with people change because of not using social media to connect? Uh, my answer to that is uh, yes, but not how you might expect. So we'll, we'll cover that. Uh, why black and white photos on Instagram? Well, we'll talk about that too. And did you sleep better without having social media? And the short answer to that one is yes. And I, I think I'll tell you why. It may not be what you're expecting. But you can find that only on uh, for our Patreon supporters over at theminimalists.com. You click on the donate button at the top. You can support us via PayPal or Vimeo. Not Vimeo, Venmo. <laughs> PayPal or Venmo. And, or you, if you support us on Patreon, you get access to all of our bonus episodes, what we're calling our Postscript episodes, but also live streams. Uh, we even did a anti-consumerism meditation a few months back. And you'll have access to all the, the old archives of the Minimalist's private podcast. Now, I know what you're at home saying, but I don't want to log on and have to listen to your podcast on my computer. And I would say the same thing. That would suck. I wouldn't want to support the podcast if that was the case. But the Minimalist private podcast actually shows up in your regular podcast feed, whatever you're listening to right now. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Google or or Overcast or wherever, all you need is the private link from our Patreon page, and it will show up every time we publish a new Postscript episode every week or if we publish something else into that private feed. Oh, we do live events as well. So uh, we have the Philadelphia event. People were rioting like crazy at our Philadelphia event. They were breaking windows. <laughs> they were so happy to see us. Flipping cars over. That's how people in Philadelphia show their their uh, cheer and happiness. Yeah, their appreciation yeah. for simplicity. That's right. <laughs> we also uh, published the uh, uh, Tampa event and also our Detroit event. We've got some other ones that are coming up as well. So live events that are exclusively on the Minimalist private podcast. Just head on over to theminimalists.com. Click donate at the top if you're interested in hearing more and hearing our answers to all those questions. Also, we're going to do a, a private tour for our Patreon supporters of our new studio space. Since y'all paid for this space, we figured we'd give you the private video tour. We're still waiting on the lighting to be installed. We have to uh, have a metal fabricator change some stuff. But yeah. uh, once that's in here, we'll we'll do a private tour of our new studio space. Yeah, no offense to everyone else, but it, you know, you obviously don't care anyway because you're, fr <laughs> you're freeloaders according to Josh. Well, yeah, and according to, you know, economists. <laughs> no, we appreciate the freeloaders. Hell yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, uh, and here's the thing. I also realize that not everyone can afford to support us monetarily. What, we, what we're trying to do is create other meaningful creations for the people who want to go out of their way to support us. Uh, but if you can't support us... That's okay. It's totally okay. We, we still love we're you. We're going to keep giving this to you 100% advertisement-free. If you can't support us with money... By listening to our podcast, you're still supporting us. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, there, so all you freeloaders, you're still supporting the hell out of us, and we thank you very much for it. Yes, indeed. And right. Josh and I will continue to support you. Yes, we will. We'll continue to produce meaningful creations. We'll avoid content creation and content generation and try to record episodes that add value to your life. Ryan, you got anything else uh, right here, right now? Man, I've got this huge stack of voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. 
Hi, this message is in response to Kelly, who had a question that you guys read on the Collecting podcast about um, being a wife and mother to collectors. And as a fellow wife and mother to uh, four collectors and one husband collector, um, I just wanted to share what's worked in my life. Um, We try and have a policy where shared spaces, family room, kitchen, etc. We keep pretty minimal. We keep our personal items out of it. And then in their own rooms, they have closets, cupboards, bookshelves, where they can house their collections. And when the collections begin to exceed that or new collections come in, um, then we I help them decide what they can take out and replace. Um, and that helps them to think about what they really have and use it. And if they're not using it, then they're typically willing to get rid of it. Um, at least that works well for the children. And then for my husband, he has places in the basement where he can store things that he's not willing to part with. And knowing those things are there does drive me crazy, but that's part of being in a relationship. And I just have to let that go. As long as it's not in my face, um, cluttering up the house, I can live uh, peacefully and not be stressed out and they can still have their collections. Hey there, this is Jesse from Germany and I want to share a tip for decorations. There's art libraries in many places which allow you to take home pieces of art for a couple of weeks. And that's great for either having cool pieces of art at home that cost almost nothing or it's a good way to figure out what kind of art fits your style before actually purchasing anything. And my name's KB. I'm from Melbourne. I'm really excited about seeing you in a few weeks' time. I just had a tip for everyone out there who also had collected magazines and been hoarding them for a few years, such as myself. Uh, High schools really appreciate the donation. If you know a teacher or there's a local school nearby, uh, just ask the art teacher or the fashion teacher if they need some new magazines for collaging. Uh, When I was in high school, this was always one of my favourite activities and they're not that easy to come by if you don't want to buy them. Uh, So just get them out of your life unless you still read them, but chances are you probably don't. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear